Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Kenem. Joining me for the illustrious panel this week, as always, he is a co-host. His name is Padawan J. Uh, contrary to prior reports, I, too, like to swing for a grand slam on a 3-0 count. That is facts, folks. Mm-hmm. That is so, so facts. What else is fact? Joining us in studio, as always, it is your coach. It is my coach. It is the coach, Coach Duffy. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, what is going on? Thank you so much for joining us this week. We have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so let's waste no more time. If you want to join in the conversation, and we hope you do, head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find all our social media links. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. You can drop a five-star rating there or Apple Podcasts. Whatever you feel necessary to do, we truly appreciate it. And we ask you to throw in the hashtag ODPH because we have a lot to discuss. Mm -hmm. Coming off the big weekend, and it's the biggest sports story that we're talking about this week, and that is the UFC. Yeah. This past weekend was UFC 252. If you were on twitch.tv slash 607podcast, you were entertained the entire time as the ODPH team it was three fat nerds. Shout out to Rich and Ron and hashtag Big Nanny Cool Diesel. Crazy Curtis Gaming was in the house too. Liz Bailey was in the house. Yeah. Was, we had a lot of people there. Yeah. And it was definitely living up to the hype. Thank you if you joined us on Twitch. If not, we'll be going to be doing more of that. So stay tuned to the ODPH social network for that. But we have to recap the card. Yeah. And especially the top three fights in the main card. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about was the matchup in the heavyweight division between Junior Dos Santos and Rosenstruck. Uh, a lot of you know anticipation with this one. Can JDS you know make a comeback? Is Rosenstruck going to be able to beat him? Uh, and, in fact, Rosenstruck was able to defeat uh, Junior Dos Santos. Uh, with a knockout in the second round. Coach, your thoughts on this? I had a bad night. Yeah, you did. That's, yeah, you did. Yeah, you that's did. my first thought. I couldn't believe that I literally couldn't pick the right side of a barn. It was terrible. Um, I, I had high hopes for Dos Santos. I thought maybe there was going to be a little bit of recapturing of the magic, and mm. there was none to be found. I mean, he was... Once, you know, and you mentioned it, Ken, once he got his timing down, you mm-hmm. know, and Rosenstruck was able to hang in the pocket. He was just dissecting him, and eventually, you know, I, I arguably there was a shot to the back of the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that the crushing blow that might have done Dos Santos in that he was like, enough? I don't know. I'm Who am I to say, you know, whether that did or did not, allegedly, you know, uh, I'm going to err on the side of, yeah. That was the blow that set Dos Santos off. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to to not be able to make a comeback because that was a damning shot to the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rosenstruck other uh, otherwise than that took it to him. So there's nothing much you can say other than that. No, Rosenstruck definitely bounced back from the Francis Ngannou knockout that he mm-hmm. received in gr- great form. Yeah. He was back. Yeah, and, and once he figured out JDS's timing, and we can't take this away from Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos definitely was in this fight. No, he was. And he definitely was landing some shots, too. Yeah. Rosenstruck ate a couple big ones Whoa. early. Yeah. That in the first round, he ate an overhand right 
that if this was five years ago, yeah. well, he would have been knocked out. Yeah, but I, I think this just goes back to some of what we were talking last week. You know, it just goes back to a seasoned veteran meeting an up and coming, just entering his prime guy. You know, JDS, thirty six years old with twenty nine fights under his belt. He's been knocked out six times, so he's definitely caught some punches over the years. Whereas Rosenstruck, only thirty two, and now has twelve fights under his belt, so not as much wear and tear. No, definitely not. And Rosenstruck definitely learned his lesson from the Ngannou fight. He mm-hmm. definitely was a different fighter, and he was more patient, which is one big telling sign that was a necessary factor in this fight because had this been more rushed, I think the Dosangas would have gave him a little more challenge. Yeah. But like Coach touched upon, JDS took some bad shots, and then once Rosenstruck got his timing down, it was all over. I just don't understand, you know, guys who have the ability um, to wrestle, mm-hmm. you know, or have jujitsu backgrounds, mm-hmm. their hesitation to even try to take guys who definitely don't to the mat. You know, like Liddell was the same way, especially later in his career. You know, he refused to go to the ground. Yeah, right. You know, and only wanted to fight. And but he was a world class, you know, a, a elite wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, had a tremendous wrestling background, but refused to do it. You know, John kind of is trending that way too, where yeah. he has tremendous wrestling skills, but he refuses to take people down. Now, you know, he just yeah. wants to to punch and, and and kick and do the spinning kicks and flips and punches. You know, the only, only Dos Santos, same thing. Only thing I can think of is maybe in, in Dos Santos's case, it was maybe a bit of fear and trepidation, given the fact that Rosenstruck, uh, out of his twelve professional fights. Uh, he's got 11 wins, one loss. Ten of those wins are by knockouts. So, yeah, you're a great wrestler, and, yeah, you're great at grappling and taking it down, but maybe he just didn't want to – he maybe wanted to err on the side of caution going, yeah, I might be able to take this guy down. There's also the chance I'm going to eat an uppercut and get knocked out into next week. But with that said, though, I mean, on the flip side of that, then why play to the guy's strength on the same time? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, wouldn't you want to attack maybe an area of – so, all right – and with jujitsu, that's what's great is that it's not just wrestling. It's right. there's grappling. Right. So there's the ability to hold up against the guy against the cage and do some of those, you yeah. know, dirty boxing tricks. Yeah. You know, some of that stuff. Um, you know, like an Usman style where you know you you pin him up against the cage, you got him in a tie up, but you're still landing. You know, some of those body shots and yeah. stuff. Instead, no, I'm gonna sit back in the pocket. And I'm going to let this guy one-two me yeah. until he knocks me out. Well, and that, that is, now that I think about it, that is the confusing thing because, you know, 10 knockout wins, you'd want to take out, you know, it's like with John. John will figure out what your best feature is, what your best move is, what your best, you know, pr- mode in your fighting is, and he'll work to take it away. You know, in this case, Rosenstruck's hands are his best feature. 10 knockout wins. You, wouldn't you want to take him down and like, all right, yeah, you can knock the living hell out of me while I'm on the ground, but you can't knock me out. I think you have to look at it from a couple of different points. Do you touch upon what Coach was saying with Liddell and, and John Jones going away from what they're very good at, they're wrestling. Right. Sometimes fighters, in my opinion, fall in love with the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not forget, I mean, Liddell had hands. Oh, yeah, too, he you had know, hands. Like, that's the difference with him and John. Like, oh, yeah. John can throw these big, you know, spinning elbows and highlight reel material and but Liddell laid on fist. Yeah. So that I guess there's a little bit of difference between the two yeah, of them, there's, but there there's a difference, but yeah, they fall in love with the highlight and sometimes they go away from their strong skill set. And it, it, as long as it's not hurting them, right. This happens a lot. I kind of refer to this to is when Frank Mir was on the tear when he was knocking people out and Frank is a submission specialist. Right. And I think that sometimes when you fall in love with how you're winning fights, you tend to stay away from other 
elements of mixed martial arts. I think Dos Anjos did the same thing here. That even though we never really see his grappling, because he is extremely w- great at boxing. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't be... Well, yeah, sure. That I think that he just goes away from it because he feels more comfortable in that element. But against a, a, a fighter like Stru- uh, Rosenstruck, he probably should have tried doing some takedowns. He try, probably should have tried clinching more. Because if you can limit his hands, okay, you're now forcing him to try a different element of mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Is he going to succeed or is he going to fail? That's the million-dollar question. But for Dos Anjos, especially for all the success he's had, he relies on his hands way too much. Sure. So if it's not broke, don't fix it is probably his mentality about it. It's like 15 wins by knockout, only one by submission. Yeah. So, like I say, if you don't think it's broken, you're not going to try fixing, but you might want to see if there's air in the tires to, to change them up. Right, but at the same time, you know, I and I remember this specifically because I was such a Liddell guy, you know, they talked about later in his career at 36 and 37, hand speed's just not the same anymore. Right. No. So they were even calling on the broadcast, you know, Liddell, like, start wrestling, you know, use some other aspect of your game, you know, stop trying to rely on the fist because your timing's not there. Try and get guys to the ground, lay on them a little bit. So, you know, it's the same thing. Dos Santos, 36, timing's not the same. Hand speed's not the same. Utilize something that you always have in your back pocket, which is wrestling, where, all right, yeah, all right, you might eat an uppercut, once or sure. twice, but it's going to be better than trying to exchange in a boxing setting with a guy that has 11 straight knockouts or 10 straight knockouts. Yeah, that's the one area that he's going to have to really think about should he be fighting again. Not saying that he's going to announce his retirement by any means, but when you're at his age and you know that you're out of title contention, mm-hmm. it's very hard to put a string of fights together that can get your name back in the top five and get an instant title shot if you can pull something off. It's not unheard of. But you have to really think practical. So whatever he decides to do after this is going to be very interesting. And for Rosenstruck, he definitely has his name in title contention. Sure. Definitely not saying a number one contender bout yet, but I could definitely see him getting somebody very high in the top five. Uh, Just a matter of when, but there's going to be a lot more shakeup as we're going to talk about a little later in the show. So anywhere from here for him, but it was a great win for him. Going to the co-main event and arguably the most hyped fight of the card. Yeah, was uh, the bantamweight ma- divi- uh, bantamweight division matchup between Sh- uh, Sean O'Malley uh, and Marlon Vera. Uh, with Marlon Vera coming out victorious, defeating Sean O'Malley via TKO in the first round. Coach, your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, I sent you guys a video. I guess we should probably discuss that. That somebody posted on Twitter, and if you d- haven't seen it, you know, try and find it. I don't know how you'd search for it, like. I don't know, Sean O'Malley, calf kick or whatever. But, Mm. um, you know, he talked about the effects that calf kicks can have on you, especially when they're placed right. And I never sort of thought about it. I mean, we had talked about, you know, uh, during some of the fights, like especially if somebody has somebody in a clinch, you know, why not try and go for that charley horse spot of your leg where, you know, you could really cripple a person from fighting because, I mean, charley horses hurt as shit. Yeah, they do. So, you know, and we had discussed that. So, I guess a good calf kick is a similar thing as applying a charley horse, and that's you know allegedly what potentially happened to O'Malley was he just caught him right on the on the button of the calf, and it crippled his leg essentially to the point where he wasn't able to effectively land or plant or step off of it, and you know ended up get, taking a really bad shot, you know that knocked him on his back, and you know I, I don't blame him for not being willing to defend yourself when you have a inability to be able to you know i mean if you can't Mm -hmm. if you don't feel comfortable standing up and you know that this guy is going to probably 
punish you if you try, you know, why why bother? You know, it's different like when Uriah Faber broke both hands yeah. in that, you know, WEC fight where he was still able to slap and manipulate, you know, his legs and kick and stuff where he still felt like he was threatening. You know, if you're unable to plant and throw a punch, you know, you're basically a shell of yourself. Yeah, we should know. We don't know fully what's wrong with O'Malley's uh, leg. Uh, it came out today from Ariel Hawani that the x-ray on his lo- – because that's the one I had heard uh, was that it was like some form of lower leg or ankle injury. Mm-hmm. And we all saw – if you watch the fight, you saw him get taken out on the stretcher. Uh, Ariel Hawani told said uh, x-ray on his ankle slash lower leg came back okay. No fractures, but an MRI is needed. Once the swelling goes down to look for ligament and tendon tears, they will scan the knee too. Can't have an MRI until swelling subsides. Uh, so we don't know what's fully wrong with him, but at least it doesn't appear to be a break. Well, that's good for him. Uh, this reminds me, if I'm not mistaken, he had a similar injury like this a few yep. years back. 2018. Yeah, so this was very similar the more I was thinking about it. And take nothing away from Marlon Vera. He definitely showed up for this one. Yeah. And definitely a well-placed kick. This is what happens in MMA. Well, and that was the one thing I remember during the fight is after, like, once the fight was over, the broadcast was kind of wondering, you know, what happened. Because I know at one point somebody, one of them said, oh, maybe this is something that, like, he came in with that, you know, he got in training camp or something. Because the one thing I noticed was that both of his feet around the ankle area were taped up, Mm -hmm. which is in my recollection, very rare to see. Yeah, you don't, you don't see it too much this with, with the UFC. So I was like, okay, I, if that is the case that he came in with it, I can see that connection, but who knows? Yeah, you don't know. And the thing about O'Malley is this was his time to really have the breakout moment. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. And for him, there was a lot of hype going into this fight. I mean, previously undefeated till this. Yeah. And the Sugar Sean show was definitely getting a lot of buzz going around from other fighters. Yeah. I know Cody Garbrandt had a few things to say after this fight. Henry Cejudo did too. Yeah. Well, and the one thing that kind of bugged me was Marlon Vera, you know, kind of talking trash and all this after the fight, which I get. You you technically knock the guy out, celebrate your win, but – to me, you got it on a technicality that like his leg was injured and he could not stand on it because that was the one thing during the fight, if you catch the highlights, is he was trying to mask that injury and trying to stand on one leg, but it just got so bad to the point where he couldn't stand. So you want on a technicality. It's not like you hit a home run knockout and knocked his head eight rows deep in the seats. If I'm not mistaken, he felt that he's the one who caused that injury. So thus he's that that's what kind of sure, got which, that rolling a little bit. Sure, which I get and I understand, but like I said... You want on a technicality where the guy couldn't stand. It's not like you knocked his head eight rows deep. Yeah, I mean there was obviously some ill will from the press, you know, the pre-fight bullshit and all that, Jimmy Jam. So I mean, obviously he's gonna feel like it was him who, you know, caused the injury and stuff. And yeah, he's gonna chirp. You know, why wouldn't you? You beat the, you know, you weren't pegged to win this fight at all. Oh yeah, right. and O'Malley yeah. was pegged to be the next. You know, this was supposed to be his launching pad and that was on your you know that was going to be on you mm-hmm. yeah i'd be pissed off and chirp too you know i mean i from o'malley's standpoint you know i would be frustrated but i would definitely feel better knowing that it was a fluke type situation mm-hmm. where you know it wasn't my inability to fight it was damn my leg got hurt i got caught and now i need to you know reevaluate Come back a stronger fighter, you know, same uh, like a Brock Lesnar type situation when he was, you know, taken off in the UFC and then got caught just being dumb against Frank Mir, mm-hmm. you know, and left his leg for Frank Mir to be able to get him into a leg lock, you know, or a heel lock. Same exact idea. Just something fluky happened. 
you're going to be all right. You know, as much as I wasn't cheering for O'Malley because I didn't like, you know, his arrogance or his attitude, on the flip side of it, you don't want to see somebody get hurt. Uh, for what it's worth, I did some looking around, and uh, we got a, we had a chime in from Conor McGregor's coach, John Cavanaugh, uh, who took the Twitter uh, the other day and quote tweeted the video of the knockout and said, quote, leg kick directly onto right common perennial nerve resulting in inability to dorsiflex ankle an increasingly common attack in mma hashtag sweep the leg so according to connor's coach he's thinking it's uh something vera did to him that ultimately caused the injury it could be and it's one of those things in mma we've seen random leg kicks yeah. do a lot more damage than people realize yeah, it goes with the sport. It's, it's why they call it combat sport. Yeah, I would say we saw that a number of times during the fight in various fights where, like, they're standing there, they're kind of doing the boxing pose where they're kind of bouncing back and forth and random leg kick. Well, that's how you defeat O'Malley, though, because he's known for his striking. So how do you impact the striker? You take their legs out. It's the same way you do with the wrestlers because they can't get that you know boost of power mm-hmm. from their right. legs. It's an, I don't want to say it's an easy win, but it's an easier win. Yeah. And for O'Malley, he's going to have to definitely be on the sidelines for a little bit. I yeah. don't think this is going to hurt him long term, but he needs to come back and put on a very impressive knockout whenever he reappears. I'll say I do happen to have the UFC.com rankings open, uh, and I'm looking in the bantamweight division. Do, 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 do. He was around like the outside the top ten. Uh, it looks like he might have dropped down a bit because I'm looking at the ten. Code ten is Cody Stammen. Uh, he's not. There's no. Or uh, they're okay. Dominic Cruz and Cody Stammen are tied for tenth somehow. Uh, th- th- he's not in the top fifteen. Then he fell out. He fell out. But well, he's going to. Yeah, you're. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I don't think this is going to hurt him. Like I said, for long term, but just he needs. Hell to, no. He needs to bounce back though with a really impressive win his next time out. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. It, again, it was a fluke situation. It's yeah. not like it was like a, you know, a bing, bang, boom knockout where, uh-huh. you know, he was beaten to death, you know, and, yeah. or, you know, to a pulp. Yeah. No, I mean, he got caught with a kick that, um, you know, I'm sure Dana's like, you know, kind of shit. I was really hoping to you know, yeah. bank on this guy. But think about it. John took that early loss, yeah. you know, the Matt Hughes due well, to the disqualification. The Matt lost. Hamill. Matt Hamill, yeah. And, uh, you know, then there was a couple other, you know, guys who I'm sure were on the rise who yeah. took shitty losses early on in their career. Yeah. That there are uh, yeah. uh, yeah. comes yeah. to mind yeah. that are able to bounce back and, you know, come back pissed off it's, it's definitely not a blemish on the record but you know if you're if you're using one of those old style quills you know there's a, there's a little bit of ink there well there definitely is because obviously it's another fighter the ufc was really behind yeah and we've seen over the past few years you really haven't seen that hyped up superstar breakthrough yet well we've seen other hyped up superstars show up but just none of them have been able to follow through right right well, i mean since connor yeah, yeah i mean connor is probably arguably the last one yeah, I mean that'd be something. To bring up ODPH Society. So if you know of a different fighter that's really broken through after the hype is real, uh, definitely hit us up and let us know. But for O'Malley, we gotta wait to see what happens. For Vera, he's gonna definitely get a top ten contender. I would imagine after this win, or to see where he goes from here, is gonna be very interesting. But now we go to the main event, mm-hmm. and this one, Pad. Yeah, it was uh, the third fight in the trilogy uh, in the heavyweight division between champion Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. Is this Cormier's last fight, or is he going to keep going? Is this Stipe's last fight, or is he going to keep going? What's going to happen? Uh, and Stipe was able to defeat and retain his championship, uh, defeating Daniel Cormier via unanimous decision. Coach, your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I probably had the changing, I mean, I I don't know, the moment of the night where 
uh, as this fight was going on, my opinions of DC started to change. And I went from, you know, an absolute non-DC fan to actually ended up cheering for him through the fight. And I mean, it's no fault. I mean, I guess it is a fault to Stipe because, I mean, he just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. After no. the second round, it was literally just holding DC up against the cage and Usmaning him, which was boring as shit to watch. And I mean, DC did everything that I mean. For God's sakes, the guy fought with his eye sinking into his head. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a little bit. In the third round, second, or second end of the second, end of yep. the second. DC took a very bad eye poke. Oh, that was the third. The second was the shot that started it. Oh, the shot. So oh, the end. Okay. So so the end of the second. There's about ten seconds left. Stipe's got DC up against the cage from a uh, left hand that caught him. Mm. You know he's up against the cage. He's trying to hug him, and Stipe's throwing these just rights, left, so rights, left, rights, lefts. But one of the rights catches DC right in the eye. That starts the beginning of what's to come next which is his eye starting to sink into his head yeah. then then the eye poke yeah because in the third round the eye poke that's see for me but, that, but, but, but mark that, goddard, goddard said that was a punch oh uh, it was just a bad call by him Fuck mark goddard very very bad call on that one dc took a very blatant eye poke and was even saying he couldn't see miosage's credit though he backed off mm-hmm and he was waiting to see a stopper, so he didn't jump right in. So I think everybody involved knew. Well, Stipe didn't, and the post press said that he didn't know that it was a finger poke until they showed him on the replay. Yeah, well, he and, thought he caught him with a punch too. Well, and to quote Daniel Cormier, I think it might have been in his post fight or whatever the heck it was. Uh, he was knuckle deep in my eye. That yeah. that was two knuckles deep in my eye. That was midway through the rounds. Yeah, that was <laughs> that's part of the great commentary that DC is now because he's my now new favorite commentator. Mid fight, saying the guy was two knuckles deep in my eye. Yeah, he you was, just don't get that quote often. He no. was being, he was being very incredible about it, and then like we say, Stipe won by unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. Definitely was a three two fight. I would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely. I mean, Stipe won. It's just wasn't you know the the end all be all trilogy that you know we would thought and hope that it was. I mean. Here's a guy who, you know, is hanging his hat on retirement. Here's another guy who, you know, allegedly we don't know what he's going to do, you know, with Stipe. You know, DC, obviously the writing was kind of on the wall. And, you know, you're kind of sitting here and you're like, all right, let's let's go gun, guns blazing. You mm-hmm. know, if this is both of you guys retiring at the end of this. Well, to, boom, boom. well, to be fair, though, yeah, DC confirmed in, in his post-fight presser with Joe Rogan that he is retiring, you know, that this is the end. But I could be wrong, but I think based off of something Stipe said, and he didn't outright say it, maybe he did, or it could have just been the way he said something, it sounded like he was calling out Ngannou. Well, the one thing that happened in the post-fight presser, which you can find uh, online all over the place, Stipe was kidding around with everybody at backstage on the, in the press fight, and I don't think he gets a lot of credit for it because he he does come off uh, very Silent. loud, very boisterous. No, when, he, when he's doing interviews, like he's just very, very just kind of does not have a filter what he says. But sure, he, but he doesn't say anything super crazy. Sure, but he was even saying at one point he goes, "Why does everybody think I'm retiring? I never said I was going to. I was just like, what am I going to do next?" Now I got a couple opportunities in front of me that he's going to have to go forward. Mm-hmm. Because for Stipe, he took some time away to go. Uh, what he does when he's not fighting, he's part of the firefighting crew at um in Cleveland. Sure. So obviously we weren't sure where he was going to be after this fight. 
but he has definitely etched his name in one of the greatest heavyweights in MMA history mm-hmm. due to his track record. I mean, he's won, he's defended the belt the most times consecutively in the UFC history. Yep. He's fought everybody they've thrown at him. The trilogy with Daniel Cormier, which we can't stress enough, for Daniel Cormier, if you're not familiar with him outside of the UFC, was a dominant heavyweight. Yeah. Sure. And when he came over, he came over with one mission at the time because his training partner at uh, American Kickboxing Academy is one Cain Velasquez who was running the heavyweight division. So Cormier went down to light heavyweight, and that's how the historic rivalry with John Jones came into play. And for DC, for having all the success outside of MMA and outside the UFC, and then when he finally got here, a lot of hype behind him. And then when he finally did get the belts, obviously with John's issues, Cormier has definitely been a worthy champion. Mm -hmm. And going back up to heavyweight, he's had great success there. He's now on the other side of 40. So the question for this fight was, how is he going to go out winning? Or could he do that? Or what would his legacy ultimately be? I think as we look back that Cormier has definitely a Hall of Fame worthy career. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. No, from Where all the accolades. Whatever he wants to do from here, he has a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Commentating, I think he's definitely going to stick with. Yeah. Whether it's with the UFC or if he's going to go to the WWE, which is heavily rumored because he is a super fan. I think he can honestly, I think he can swing both. Why, you know, yeah, it's a little strenuous, and yeah, it's a bit of a crazy schedule, but you think about it. Uh, they are currently short one commentator on Friday Night SmackDown, mm-hmm. uh, so he could fit in there and then still do the UFC stuff. Now, barring it's not, he might not be able to do like an international card. So let's just say, you know, UFC is fighting in uh, England at the O2, mm-hmm. and, and SmackDown is in, we'll just say, San Francisco. Probably not going to make the UFC card that weekend. But, you know, by and large, I think he'd be able to pull off both. I'd love to see him do both. I think he'd be very good at it. I don't think that either party will dance at that table. Never say you never. Know, you never know. Yeah, but, I mean, but I agree with you. I, I, don't, I, couldn't, I, I don't see it happening, but I couldn't say no to it either. My problem would be is where does the money come from? Because if it comes from Fox, there is 0% chance that Fox will allow him to go do UFC especially with the way that UFC and Fox parted ways. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then no. If he's doing WWE, if he's you know under WWE contract, then yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, they is, might let the him. The thing of it is, is it wouldn't be a UFC contract. Wouldn't it be an ESPN contract? No, it would be UFC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. In, okay. Unless, you know, you, that's actually a really good question because, you know, I know he does that separate detail show mm-hmm. right. for UFC or for ESPN. ESPN. So. It really depends on what they want to classify him doing right. with each organization. Well, I would assume that Rogan is probably UFC. Yeah. And those main guys are. And then probably, you know, the guys who host the MMA stuff are both, you know, or maybe more ESPN. Because, I mean, think about it. They don't really cross breed much, you know. I mean, there's yeah. not really much cross promotion. I mean, doesn't Bisbing every once in a while. Yeah. Do like a ESPN show? It does appear that at least for in that, because the only one I could think of was John Anik. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked up John, I Google searched John Anik contract. Uh, he had signed a, f- a contract extension with the UFC. Okay. okay. So it looks like in that instance, the announcers might be through UFC. Okay. Well, that would make sense then. And obviously, coming off the heels of this fight, they're going to have a lot to discuss, and DC's going to have a lot of time on his hand. 
Unfortunately, he has a torn retina. Which <laughs> you don't from, say. Well, from what I read, he doesn't need surgery. As of right now, which yeah. hopefully that is the case because we, we wish him nothing but a speedy and healthy recovery. Yes. Because he definitely earned Top it in, shelf. This, in this fight. Absolutely. And it, coach is now on the bandwagon. I sure am. But for how long is going to be the question? Because there might be a heavyweight that takes that spot away from him. And we're going to get into that after we take a quick break. You are listening to the ODPH podcast. Hey folks, Rob here from Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. And what is that, you ask? Well, aside from three words that describe my life, it's a podcast. We talk about food, fun, fellowship, movies, books, video games, pop culture, and much more. Also, some very interesting guests and some awesome stories. And of course, some cold beers along the way too. So look us up on Twitter at FDS Podcast 7 and look for Fat, Drunk, and Stupid wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Last segment, we were talking a little bit about UFC 252, but that wasn't the biggest headline of the weekend. No, no, no. Daniel Cormier was upset a little bit, but the minute DC retired and was all said and done that he was. Oh, don't take that. Don't one, take that route. One person decided to pop in. Well, he, well, let's not forget, he was popping in before, during, okay. and he, after the he fight. He was eluding it during the fight, and definitely he was rooting for DC to win. Listen, I, I've i got a name that I want to call out right now for a comment that they made. Sure. That is Ariel Hawani. Okay. Okay. I That comment that he made about, look who's throwing their name into a You know, there's a couple guys who are throwing their name into a hat now that DC's out of the way. Ironic or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. No. John's not. Why? First off, John's beaten him twice. So why would John be afraid to fight DC, even if it's at heavyweight? I don't agree with that. I uh, should know. Didn't realize this during the fight. John was live tweeting the whole fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did not see that because I wasn't paying attention to that, but I should know. Uh, he did say, John did, the reason we're talking about this is he did say the other, uh, what was it, it was yesterday, uh, just got off the phone with UFC. Today I confirmed that I'm vacating the light heavyweight championship. It's officially up for grabs. It's been an amazing journey. Sincere thank you to all my competition, UFC, and most importantly, you, the fans. Uh, so he went on to say, the last I spoke with UFC about my salary, there was no negotiating. If that ever changes, I'd love to come back and compete again as a heavyweight. Until then, I'll be joining UFC as a fan and doing my best to take care of my family and community. And this, uh, to me, is kind of one of the key phrases here. In good faith, I will be staying in the testing pool for probably the next half year or so. I'll continue to lift weights and train all the different martial arts. Well, I think it was very telling because, like, just to kind of quickly touch upon before we deep dive into this. Sure, sure. That when Daniel Cormier was officially done and uh-huh. said he, and came out after the post-fight presser and said, I'm done, I'm officially retired, John's tweets about doing heavyweight was accelerated because he has teased about this in the past. He has teased about it. He's teased about it. He's even teased fighting Brock Lesnar, which mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think he wants any of that smoke. Right. 
But then it became official that he has now vacated the light heavyweight title. Yep. There is a title possible fight happening for that belt between Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz September 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not officially said that that will be for the belt. I'm assuming it's going to be. And then, Well, if it wasn't, it will be now. Right. Well, they have, like I said, even with John's comments, the UFC has not officially come out and said it yet. Mm-hmm. But that fight makes a lot of sense for that belt, so they should do that. And... On the heels of this, John has said, okay, he's coming up to heavyweight. If the UFC will let him, they got a couple things to work out, which I think will be very easy. The other factor that was thrown in the coach was touching upon with Ariel Hawani is one, Anthony Rumble Johnson Ooh. got back in the USADA pool. Hello. And said he's coming back to fight at light heavyweight. Hmm. So, coach, I will now hand it back to you since you have two fighters that are coming back. The timing is just, it's all dominoes. I'm not saying they're connected, but. It's just these are how the new stories just, match up. Uh, listen, what does John have to gain from fighting DC for a third time when he's already beaten him twice? Nada. Nothing. So why is it that all, okay, so you're going to call out John and say, oh, he's moving up now because DC's retiring. Like, that's just, that's, or even if it is, like, why? Why It doesn't matter. He's beaten him twice. There's nothing to gain from John fighting him a third time. Stipe and DC fighting a third time makes sense. Yeah. Stipe won one. DC won one. Yeah. Let's end this and make a deciding factor. John's beaten him three times. Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell didn't fight three more times after Tito lost. Well, they did just fight for the, the De La Hoya fight. All right. Well, but what, we, whatever. But, we, but, we, but you know but, what but, I mean. That doesn't yeah. matter. That's, yeah. that's not canon. That's not Yeah, yeah exactly. That's not canon. So seriously, though, like if you beat a guy twice, you don't fight him a third time. Even on the flip side of what you said with John doesn't have anything to gain by beating him a third time. DC doesn't have anything to gain by beating him. Okay, yeah, congratulate. You know, he might want to do it in the back of his head for all, just to get the monkey off his back that, you know, like with Peyton Manning. Well, Peyton Manning can never get win the big one. He can never make it to the Super Bowl, and then he finally did. DC kind of has that as well where, oh, hey, you're good, but you never beat John Jones. And, and let's just say hypothetical parallel universe, they do fight a third time. DC wins the third time. D, yeah. Oh, DC, congratulations. You finally got that monkey off your back. You finally beat John Jones. But you're still one and two against them. I don't think DC would care at that point. The only argument that can be made for this fight is that DC wouldn't have to do a weight cut. Right. And it could be a different variable. Now, am I saying that this fight is going to happen? Yes and no. If they just if the UFC felt that this could be a huge draw, mm-hmm. they would offer up the Brinks truck for both John and DC to fight at heavyweight. I think the only instance this fight happens is if it's another scenario, not similar, but exactly the same, but another type scenario with UFC 200 where John was supposed to fight, uh, what was it, Cormier, Mm -hmm. and then John had his issues and wasn't able to participate. So it was the 11th hour. They needed somebody, and in came Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I think if it's another situation where it's a it's a big card, maybe like a two you know two fifty or not. Let me just pass two fifty, you know two seventy five, three hundred, what have you. Another future card where eleventh hour we need a guy to step in for the main event, and you know for whatever reason we can't get anybody else. You, that's when they would call DC and back up the proverbial Brinks truck. I think my problem is just don't call out John. You know Ariel, he's he's moving up to heavyweight. He's doing everything that we wanted. You know, don't just sit here and say that it's because DC's retiring. Like, that's poppycock. Well, it's the popular thing to do these days. Right, I know. Like, yeah, all right, I'm going to troll the guy because I can. You know, it's like, no, he's moving up to heavyweight. This is happening. Now there's so many possibilities as far as, you know, what you do with John. So why not just err on positive and say, hey, 
John's doing this. Let's it, think about matchups now. It makes John exciting again because don't get me wrong, I I like to root for John. He's from the area. He graduated from the same high school I did. He was two years ahead of me. So I and I've met the guy. You know, not to be you know is hipster, but I met the guy before he got big. You know, mm-hmm. my freshman year of high school, he and his brother Art got introduced to me through some mutual friends. Nice guys. You know, I like to root for the guy, but I'll admit. The last couple of years, his fights have been very stale. And that's not through a lack of, like, them not being exciting or exciting opponents. But, like, he's run... Th- what have we said countless times on this show about Who's John he going to fight? Who's, who's he, he going to fight? fight? He's We've run through, the you know, the, the light heavyweight division of, oh, who's John's next fight? Well, Twice over. He's beaten, the, he's beaten this fighter, that fighter. That, that, that. All of a sudden, he's now in a new division where his record against that, the top 15 opponents in that division... Oh and oh. Oh, it's a very interesting situation to be in. I we've talked about this numerous times on the show. He has cleaned out the light heavyweight division twice and, over, and we never thought he was going to move up. No, because, because he had made it very clear he had no interest. No, he he said he wanted to be like Anderson Silva, who always yeah. stayed at one eighty five. You know, his weight class where right. he was dominant, even though he did dabble. Silva did dabble up in two hundred five a little bit here and there, but for John. Was there really a contender to motivate and and move him to really step his game up? Well, and that was the problem. No, because like I said, with Reyes, you can argue, you can argue that you can argue with Tiago Santos. Yeah, you could argue Blahovitz, maybe. Yeah, but they're not the big names that he can fight at heavyweight. No, where heavyweight has had this new resurgence of of fighters. Yeah, that he can definitely have a lot more interesting matchups with. And plus, this is a real challenge for him because. What would you say John walks around before a weight cut? Uh, he's already said 240. All right, yeah. so he's already at 240. Yeah. yeah. So now he ne- doesn't even need to do a weight cut unless he's going to try putting on more mass, which, I mean, I don't know how that's going to come out. Well, let's not even think about forget about the fact that what was his always his advantage? Not only just that, but at 205, what was his advantage? Oh, his reach. His reach. Yeah. Now that's going to be, I mean, you saw Stipe. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that reach is not going to be the same thing that it was when you were fighting light heavyweights who, instead of being 6'4", like, you know, Nganu, you know, you were fighting guys who were six foot, five and eleven, six one, yeah. you know, with seventy, seventy three, seventy three and a half maybe at most reach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're seventy eight or what I mean, he's like almost what, eighty? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah I mean, you're reaching across, you're holding these guys like they're little kids, you know, trying to yeah. hit you. No, and to your point, Ken, about, you know, the other fighters in the light heavyweight division, outside of the top three, which uh, Dominic Reyes is number one, Tiago Santos is number two, and then Blahovitz is number three, no disrespects to the folks ranked four through 15, but I'm falling asleep reading the names, and none of them get me excited to, ooh, I want to see John face that guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just John has been so dominant of a champion. But this goes through every division, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say it's just John, but you look at the years when GSP ran through yeah. the welterweight division. Yeah. You look at when BJ Penn had his run at... Mighty one, Mouse. At, like, yep. Mighty Mouse at, at flyweight. When you have a dominant champion that just cleans out a division, that's the only place they can go, is to a new division for new fights. For John, this has been heavily rumored. We're finally going to see it now. He's motivated to go up there. Right. The DC fight, if they wanted to try doing it, the only, like I said, the only factor that would get DC to do it is just that loss, the losses to John would motivate him. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I mean, there would be, the, I, I think fans would still buy it. I mean, oh, I know yeah. we've talked about yeah. it on the show, like, I don't. I think that you said that you wouldn't be thrilled about them fighting a third time. Not at light heavyweight, right? But 
you know, but fans would be excited to see them because of, A, the rivalry, and B, you know, it's now a heavyweight, so it's a new thing. Yeah. And, I mean, let's talk about, you know, this whole, the, the contract negotiations. I mean, yeah, you know, the UFC right now with money is being a little more stingy without having draws mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. without having a house, which, you know, absolutely makes sense. That's perfect Her, sense. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it makes it difficult to be able to negotiate the fact that you are a box office draw yeah. when there's no box office. Yeah. So... For John, you know, right now, like, he needs something especially to to entice, you know, people to want to see him fight. And, you know, outside of Reyes, who probably people want to see him fight again just from the fact of how controversial the the first fight was, that also doesn't make sense for him because, I mean, if he loses, legacy tarnish, blah, blah, blah. You know, he moves up. He fights somebody new, 0-0, like you were saying, Pad. Everybody at that light heavy or the heavyweight division right now, the top five, are all names that everybody wants to see. Mm-hmm. I'll say there's probably about 14 different names. I'm not counting Ngannou because Ngannou wants that belt in the worst way humanly possible. But there's 14 other names in that division that Dana White, whoever is the powers that be at UFC, give them a call and go, you want to fight John Jones? Oh, yeah. 14 names will immediately say yes. Well, that's the other question I was going to bring up because now... Miosic said he'll fight anybody. Sure. And I and I fully believe that. So well, John Cena, you want some, come get some. And uh, but the fight that makes the most sense for me with him is Ngannou. Uh-huh. And I don't think that John should leapfrog no, to get the title shot. No, Ngannou makes perfect sense. And then I mean looking at the other I'll just uh, top uh, uh well, this says six, but it's yeah, it's top five. Uh Francis Ngannou is ranked number one. Uh number two is Curtis Blades. Uh three technically still is Daniel Cormier. Uh, Rosenstruck is number four. Uh, he is tied with Derek Lewis, uh, and then listed at number six is one Alistair Overeem. So then, let me pose a question to you, Coach. John moves up to heavyweight. Uh-huh. Who do you give him first fight? See, I, I was running through, you know, while Pat was reading the names, and I, I don't think you can leapfrog him. You know, Nagano. no, you can't. I, I, I don't think you can. Um, as much as I would love, to, I think him and Stipe being the fact that they are the champions among champions, mm-hmm. you know, just from what the volume of work that Stipe has. And obviously John's at the light heavyweight. I, I feel like you really, you know, that's just going to create more controversy than what it's worth. Um, so I don't know, maybe uh, a Derek Lewis, somebody that the fans are excited to see um, somebody that poses a real problem for John because a, the weight and b his ability to punch, which has always been something John's not been mm-hmm. great at taking. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, obviously, Naganu would not take that fight because he's not an idiot. Um, <laughs> Rose, well, not from the fact that John would beat him, just from the fact that what if John, you know, what if something yeah. happens and he's, he loses he's title fight? On his he's belt. focused. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, Rosenstruck is there, and that's an option. Yeah. You know, maybe even uh, a Dos Santos who just lost, you know, to Rosenstruck. Maybe that type of fight where you know it's a um, a heavyweight, established heavyweight for John to kind of get his feet wet, yeah. you know, in it. Something similar to what they did with uh, Gustafson, mm-hmm. you know, getting letting him get his feet wet against a veteran heavyweight that, you know, if Gustafson, you know, if he loses, then obviously he knows that, you know, heavyweight's not for him. So maybe something like that might be an option instead of giving him a top five. But, I mean, if they did, I certainly wouldn't be mad. No, I mean, Alistair Overeem is also there too. Yeah, I, I, that's another name, yeah. So who do you give him, Pat? Uh, I'm, I'd have to say either, because the way I think it's going to go, Ngannou's going to get the title shot against uh, Stipe, uh, and then you'll have a fight between Curtis Blades and then Rosenstruck to figure out who's after that. And then I'd say you give him either Derek Lewis, Overeem, or even uh, Alexander Volkov. Because I, f- I feel like just looking at the division, you can't go too far down just because at that point nobody's going to care. 
and it's essentially you're feeding him. You're just feeding somebody to him so he can get an easy win. Yeah. You know, but you you have to make it enticing enough without leapfrogging the division. So I, I even maybe a JDS, you know, somebody in that division where it's a name, but it's not entirely, you know, jumping up to like the number two fighter. And, oh, hey, you're all of a sudden now the number two ranked guy and you beat one person. There's so many different directions you can go with this. I think the only thing that I will agree with everybody about is Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic 2 needs to happen. Uh-huh. That you can't leapfrog anybody with that. If you wanted to try talking DC and for that miracle fight, sure, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Better have a Brinks truck or two. But like I said, you're going to need a lot, and you're going to need to make that fight happen soon because, like I said, DC's on the other side of 40. Father Time is catching up with him. I think what you should do is, I love the idea of having, uh, I believe you said Curtis Blades and Rosenstroke fight. Uh-huh. Love that idea. Absolutely love that idea. I would put John in there with Overeem. Okay. Okay. It's very similar styles. Yeah. Very high striking. Overeem is no slouch uh, with his wrestling, too. Definitely has a, a jiu-jitsu degree, too. I, I just I've escaped what, what level it is. But either way, that is a good entry-level fight for John. To see, okay, where does he rank? Where does he not? I think you could definitely do that fight. Uh, would uh, and with some of the other names, JDS would not be a bad idea at this point. But then again, JDS is also getting near that side of forty as well. So, yeah, I, I you've put him in with Dos Santos as a fluff. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean it's basically like uh, you're booking a squash match. Yeah, it, that's yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. So you have to do something, but I think for John to get up there, you have to give him a former champion of some sort. Yeah, Overeem makes a lot of sense. JDS makes sense. I wouldn't necessarily put him in against a Rosenstruck or Derek Lewis just yet, but I could see I could see them doing Derek Lewis because he is a draw, and they definitely want to hype John's debut at, at heavyweight with the name. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean you—that's a splash. That's huge. You know, I That'd mean that's huge. that's a huge, huge, huge match because I mean D- Lewis is obviously a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. John controversial. You know, love him or hate him. So. I mean, either way, that type of fight would just draw house. Yeah, and I think that that would set up some great matchups going for heavyweight. And I think what's great about that type of fight is that can be a headline fight on a pay-per-view without a title fight. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, that's the other thing, too. I mean, will John be willing, you know, if you put him in with Dos Santos, Overeem, you know, one of those names, Rosenstruck, you know, is he going to be okay being the second on card? Because I think they would build the card around him, right? Yeah. You would yeah. have you yeah. would have to. So yeah, I, I mean, see him doing second. That might be the problem then with a Dos Santos or an Overeem because I don't necessarily know that for what is it sixty four ninety five. I don't know if I'm willing to shell that out for that to be the main event if I'm not getting you know heavy amount of title fights or you know re- legitimate fights. In the prelims, you know what I mean? Well, let me say this. If they do that fight and they put John against, we'll just say JDS for this sure. argument, they will stack that card. Right, they, that's yeah. what I'm saying. They would have to. Like, oh, yeah. Those, the undercard would have to be legitimate. But, the again, the problem is, though, like, are guys going to be willing, you know, if you're, you know, let's just say they put, like, I don't know, like, what would you put, like, what would be a match that you would put underneath that? Because, like, Usman's not going to fight below him. No, no, but what you could do is you could put on, all right, like, I, I know I'll be mixing and matching different cards coming up, so just bear with me. Yeah, sure. 
So, like, let's say you put, like, the Colby Covington, Tyrone Woodley underneath it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you put something in from the uh, women's, uh, what is it, uh, flyweight division. So, uh, so would, Covington, Woodley would be, like, just a rivalry fight that would be a good co-main event. Yeah. So, that makes sense. Yeah. And then you could put, like, uh, the flyweight title there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, okay. You, you know, like, or, or maybe flip-flop that. So, the uh, women's um, flyweight title is the second belt. But either way, though, yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. That makes sense more than, because I'm sitting here and I'm, like, trying to think about how you could build a card around John fighting an aging veteran heavyweight and it still be a draw by having car fights underneath it that guys are going to be like yeah I'm willing to not be the main event because John's fighting X you know X yeah. fighter you know what I mean because fighters ego I mean the main it's not like wrestling where you know it doesn't you know on the car really matter as long as you're not curtain jerker yeah you know in UFC like the card is built around you. Yeah. Well, like that's what I'm saying, and and I, I I don't think they would do the 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 women's flyweight title on there. I'm just trying to think of like a fight yeah. of a of a, of a division that could really benefit from the spotlight on them, and could also up the ante of the card. Yes. Yeah. So that's where I'm I'm going with that because I could see. If they did a, a number one contendership match for the flyweight title right. or strawweight title, they could do something like that, and that could definitely sell and, and, and do it because I, I don't want to disrespect the champion because Shevchenko, I think, is amazing. You're, you're certainly not. I but, understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to think. like They would have to stack it something like that where they could showcase a lot more talent because like, I think both men's and women's flyweights could really benefit from it. I think that you could do – if you really wanted to do this, here, here's your fight for you. You do JDS, John – you do Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie. Oh. Okay. That's your co. Okay. Oh. And then you could put anybody else on that damn thing, and that sure. would sell. Well, because, again, like with Connor, like that last card that they – you don't need shit in front of Connor. Yeah. Like you could literally build a boxing-type card around Connor, and it's going to draw no matter who he fights. Yeah. And you can't say shit because Connor is Connor. So, like, if you're the undercard and you're like, well, why is Connor fighting last? Because he's fucking Connor. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not. <laughs> or other than one up it. If you really want to do it, they did this before, and um, I, I'm blanking on what weight division. But why don't you put Rosenstruck uh, blades? There you underneath. go. That's your that's your yeah. go. Now, something like that would work too. To see all these things make sense. Yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the fact that John's going to be fighting. You know, in our dream scenario or our scenario that we're playing out here, a potentially 37 year old plus seven or 20 plus fighter heavyweight that's on the downward versus you know like anybody else who's on the uptick you know and then that being your main event because at the end of the day john's still gonna draw on the pay-per-view so you have to put him on last because he's not going to be your co-main event regardless of the fact that he's o and o in the heavyweight division fighting X fighter, forty years old. You put John on in the co-main event. You're losing seventy five percent of the people who bought the card are turning it off. Yeah, it, it's yeah. You're going to definitely do that. I mean, that's the thing. He yeah, has you to, got your money's worth, but don't he, look. Good. He has to be there, but that's why I said you have to really sit there and build around him because him coming up there, that's going to be huge. But maybe that's why Derek Lewis might make more sense. Yeah, you'll have to do that. Like I say, you, you unfortunately can't put a title. Uh, champion on there, uh, men's or women's. Mm-hmm. It, he, John has to be the main event, like I said, but for a division that could definitely use something to catch him with. And that's why I said, like, the women's flyweight division, I think it's vastly underrated. Well, and I'd love to see them on there. And building a card around rivalries, yeah. you know, for a payoff like a Woodley Covington fight, that makes sense because, you know, there's not title, they're what, feather 
What, what division? For Woodley, they're welterweight. Yeah. Welterweight. Yeah. So not a popular division that really would headline outside of the title. So that would make sense, you know? Yeah, like I said, you'd have to stack that up with like a division that nobody's really following. Like I said, the men's flyweight is another division too. The bantamweight, that you have a lot of matchups there. You can, you can do a lot of great fights with. It all depends on what the UFC really is feeling with this. But the overall takeaway is John Jones now overshadowed UFC 252. For sure. That tweet was all that we talked about yeah. in the last hour. Right, because it's that impactful. And it's n- take nothing away from the legacy of Daniel Cormier. Not at all, because DC, you earned a fan in me. And that is huge, because if you got coach behind you, you can take on anybody. Well, I mean, just the, the amount of animosity that I had to begin with. I mean, yeah. that was quite the turnaround. So final thoughts on this weekend, Pat? A lot of fun, some great matches. And for John? Uh, we'll see. Uh, so I, the card was great. I really wish that UFC, you could work with us on the East coast and not put these fights on till 1am because it is killing me on Sunday and Monday mornings. Please just work with us. And, uh, with John, um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I feel his spark back. Uh, I, I am excited for the possibilities. I'm excited for the UFC. You know, with that, what they can do. Uh, and, you know, I can't wait for Stipe and Nganu. Yeah, definitely. UFC 252 lived up to the hype. I mean, the, the the main card was definitely filled with a lot of headlines. And for the main event, the legacy fight for Daniel Cormier, I mean, he fought and earned a lot more fans than I think people realize with just his sheer heart to win. And unfortunately, he came out on the losing end. But take nothing away, he lost to arguably one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. But now a new name has entered the field with John Jones. Can John replicate that same success he had at light heavyweight at the heavyweight division? That's the question we have right now. So that's why I pose to you, the ODPH Society. What did you think of this past weekend's UFC's news? What is your take on John Jones going to heavyweight? What is your take on Daniel Cormier's legacy? Does Is this it for him? I think it is, unless John fights him at heavyweight. Hit us up on our social media accounts. You can find everything at OchoDuralParleyHour.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Being a nerd as an adult can be difficult. Life gets a little busy to constantly be staying up to date with nerd culture. Let's see. There's work. Life. Bills. Stress. Relationships. Kids. So you wish you could just turn something on during your hectic life that would keep you up to date at the push of a button. Look no farther than the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Tyler. Here on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we enlighten, educate, and entertain with all things nerd. We discuss, debate, and break it down on what's going on in nerd culture from the past, present, and future. And you know the cool part? We're 30! So we bring it to you in a less hectic way and easily accessible through your favorite podcast platform. But no worries, you don't have to be 30 to enjoy the show. So relax and keep up to date with us as we bring you nerd news you need to know, but don't have time to go searching for. So come nerd out with us at the 30 and Nerdy Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you cast your pod. Cheers to you, nerds. Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast.
coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is a huge WWE wrestling weekend. Uh-huh. Wrestling, yes, it is their big summer event, SummerSlam, but is kicked off by arguably the better show of the weekend. Usually, usually nine out of ten times. Uh-huh. Actually, we say nine and a half out of ten times. Nine and three quarters. Yes, and that is NXT Takeover. Uh-huh. Now, before we deep dive into all the cards and give you our predictions, Pad. What was the big news that broke around these said cards? Yeah, so uh, ever since the C-19 pandemic uh, broke out in the United States and, you know, arenas were shut down and no live sports were able to be held in any of the uh, 50 states, uh, WWE moved all programming, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views to the Performance Center, uh, much to the dismay of many and to the meh of others. Uh, But that does appear to be changing because it was announced yesterday from WWE uh, in a press release uh, titled WWE Brings the Thunder. Uh, The uh, press release reads, quote, WWE Thunderdome featuring a state-of-the-art set, video boards, pyrotechnics, lasers, cutting-edge graphics, and drone cameras will take WWE fans' viewing experience to an unprecedented level starting this Friday, August 21st, on Fox, kicking off SummerSlam weekend. Uh, WWE has a long history of producing the greatest live spectacles in sports and entertainment, yet nothing compares to what we are creating with WWE Thunderdome, said Kevin Dunn, WWE Executive Vice President, Television Productions. This structure will enable us to deliver an immersive atmosphere and generate more excitement amongst the millions... Oh, I was waiting for a name by millions from you. Oh, drop the ball uh, of fans watching our programming around the world. With the debut of WWE Thunderdome, WWE will take residency at the Amway Center in Orlando and virtually bring fans into the arena via live video on massive LED boards in conjunction with the famous group and its proprietary technology for every Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, and WWE pay-per-view event. Starting tonight, fans can register for their virtual seat to be part of upcoming shows via www.wwethunderdome.com or at WWE's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Uh, As WWE takes residency at the World Class Amway Center, we have reimagined our live event experience for today's environment, said Brian Flynn, WWE Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. Uh, In partnership with the famous group, we will virtually bring our fans back into the show and recreate the interactive in-arena atmosphere that has been a staple of WWE events for decades. And they give a whole list of events uh, for August. Uh, Should be noted, so the the press release closes out saying uh, their residency will continue for the foreseeable future with Raw, SmackDown, and uh, pay-per-view programming will be produced on closed sets with only essential personnel in attendance. WWE will continue to uh, to administer its health and safety protocols for talent, crew, and employees in conjunction with each production, including PCR testing for COVID-19, social distancing, and wearing masks. Uh, Should note, doesn't say it in the press release, NXT is staying, I guess they're at full sale, but I swore they were at the Performance Center the whole time. Uh, they've been kind of going a little back and forth. They're doing a real good job masking the two because I can't tell. Yeah. Holy crap. And I can't believe I missed the Rock reference, but every time I think the Rock now, I think the XFL, so Mm. my head is completely thrown (laughs) off. See, I I set it up perfectly for a home run out of the park, and y'all drop the ball. (sighs) So that being said, Coach, your thoughts on this? I So when the first initial thing came down for the Thunderdome, I definitely was a little bit... uh, Surprised. I mean, I you know, obviously you see AEW airs out of, you know, I can't remember the name of the facility that they're mm-hmm. at, but I mean, they have an 
advantage of being able to allow fans in with the wrestlers. So, um, you know, it makes for more of an organic reaction, I guess you can say. So, uh, you know, and you can definitely tell that the WWE has been dying without that Mm -hmm. organic reaction, especially with the wrestlers that have been in the attendance for these tapings. And the most random chance of all time. Yeah, it's been absolutely brutal. I mean, I'm sure they're probably being overproduced no different than... Yeah, no different than everybody else. else, you know. So I mean, they're at a, they're just at a disadvantage. But mm-hmm. now, you know, being and obviously seeing the way that it's played with the NBA, you know, as far as the virtual fans and stuff, I mean, it might give it more of a feel. Yeah, you're definitely not going to be able to hear the noise. You know, there's probably not going to be any noise or reaction. But no. I mean, at a minimum, maybe the seeing fresh faces, you know, for shows might be better than the sure faces we're used sure. to seeing now Monday and Friday. Sure. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I mean, I've said it on the show before. One of my biggest gripes and one of the biggest reasons I haven't been able to watch a ton of WWE programming is just how different it is that don't get me wrong. I like the men and women in the ring. I've got nothing against their talent or what they've done, you know, or how they're doing it. It's just the atmosphere is just too jarring and too different for me. It's, it's, you know, and, and I know somebody might say, well, you watch baseball and they have no fans in the stands. What's the difference? See, I don't watch baseball for the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's awesome to see a guy hit a home run. And this is true for, you know, baseball, football, basketball, what have you. It's one thing to watch those sports in like a crazy touchdown catch or a yeah. crazy, crazy dunk or a crazy home run. And you hear the crowd roar. That's one thing. But I don't, you know, that's an added bonus. I watch that for the on the field stuff. Don't get me wrong. I watch WWE for the in-ring stuff, but it's for those moments. You know, the Dudleys returning on Monday Night Raw and the crowd going absolutely nuts. You know, for Ronda Rousey debuting at the Royal Rumble and the, and the shocked fans. That's one of the big reasons I like watching WWE. And, and it just hasn't been the same with the talent and the wrestlers in the audience. And, and I swear, chanting the most random crap I've ever heard that has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on on, on camera. You know, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Will it look cool? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, you get full use of an arena with nobody in there. It's outside of essential personnel and the wrestlers. You're gonna have some real crazy. You can do some real crazy stuff. But I'll see how it goes. I'll, I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna watch NXT and I'm gonna watch uh, SummerSlam. But I'm not sure if it's gonna improve things because you know, like Coach said, it's probably gonna look a little bit like what the NBA has been doing yeah. for their stuff. So yeah, they'll be there, and yeah, it won't be weird, but. Unless they borrow a page from Major League Baseball's book and pipe in crowd sound, it's still going to be weird to watch. It's going to be a different atmosphere completely. And I think that them borrowing a lot from the NBA is going to help them. Sure. Well, I think the other thing that will be nice, too, is having the hard camera back on the side. Yeah, yeah. that's Versus huge. the stage, because the yeah. stage has been super awkward as far yeah. as, like, wrestlers in their entrances, mm-hmm. wrestlers in their promos, just the whole, like, you know, like them facing, you know, if you haven't been watching, you know, or, or if you're not a wrestling fan, you're, you know, listening through, like they've been staring directly into the camera with the stage behind them so that, like, if another wrestler comes out to, you know, interrupt their promo, they have to do a full 180 to look at the wrestler coming down the stage, which has been super awkward. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I, wonder so. I wonder how many reshoots that's had to have had to be done in the first couple of weeks. Because, oh, probably numerous because oh. they're so ingrained to look in a certain direction. Oh, yeah. That all of a sudden, oh, hey, you got to look ninety degrees to your. What would it be left? Well, I mean, you can tell from 
just the standpoint of like the entrances have been totally reworked, you know, especially like the people that really relied on being on the hard camera side for their mm-hmm. entrances. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, Finn Balor, yeah. uh, Alexa Bliss, who does the thing through the ropes. Yep. Um, I can't think of the other, uh, the, um, the party, the tag team. Um, oh, Street Profits? Yeah, Street Profits. They're also, you know, yeah. their entrance has been hurt because they, you know, do the dance in front of the camera too, and now that's in an awkward spot where, you know, they like to come through the crowd, and now they can't exit the side that they normally would. They have to actually walk all the way around then to go back through it again. It's So it's wicked weird, so it would be nice to have the hard camera side back. Yeah, there are definitely going to be some advantages to this, yeah. and I think that for everybody that's been running during the C-19 era, they're trying to do whatever they can to get the fans more involved. Mm-hmm. And I think the virtual is going to be a good idea because there's been plus and minuses when we've seen it with AEW. Yeah. AEW did have a great concept. I know that they've been having a little bit more fan interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that is good and it's bad at times too. I Unfortunately, like for this weekend, that they've now been preempted Wednesday night, so they're going to be airing. Yeah. A normal AEW Dynamite against NXT Takeover. Yeah, spoilers are already out on the internet, <laughs> so take it for what it is because fans are there. And I mean, somehow they got leaked. I'm not saying it yeah. was a fan, but I'm not saying it wasn't either. Yeah. So because I don't know who leaked it. Yeah. But. No, I think the thing the thing I'm most interested in seeing is the drone cams, just because seeing stuff online and and people using you can get real creative with those you yeah can, you can make for some interesting shots so i'm interested to see how they do that like maybe if you have somebody go to do like a top rope you know move you have a camera kind of follow them a little bit mm-hmm. it'll, be, it'll be interesting it'll definitely be interesting but it's going to be something that we're going to have to see and compare on saturday night mm-hmm. because that's where we're kicking off nxt takeover 30 yeah Holy smokes, yep. 30 already? 30th NXT TakeOver card. So well, bad. I mean, when you're aggressively having them every quarter, it adds yeah. up quick. You yeah, know? but it's That's just true. from where they started yeah. to where now. I mean, sure, they, sure. They've been the benchmark for how WWE pay-per-views have been measured for a while, mm-hmm. with the exception of WrestleMania. I'll yeah. say that on the main card, people. Yeah, I'll say it to them. <laughs> Challenge them to step their game up. I'm going to be sitting there doing back-to-back. Yeah. But we're going to kick off previewing NXT TakeOver 30. So, Pat, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so uh, leading off, you've got the NXT North American Championship uh, taking place between Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes, and then uh, this is to be determined. It's still got to figure it out on this week's episode of NXT. Uh, and then it's going in that match will also be either Johnny Gargano or Ridge Holland, and then Finn Balor or Velveteen Dream. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, the uh, that title, you know, has been heavily contested, especially now that Keith Lee has been giving it up. You know, gave it up, so it'll be very interesting to see what direction they take that title in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the one that Balor hasn't hold yet, held yet. So yeah. I mean, in I like Balor, so it would be interesting to see him have the title back on his waist for the first time in a long time. Um, I Gargano is obviously a name that could mess around and win it too. So I mean, or they could go with one of you know Bronson Reed or one of the other lesser known guys to try and bring them up a little bit by having a title strapped to them for a little bit. So a lot of possibilities. I think in regards to who's going to be the final two people in this match, I think it's going to be Gargano and, and then Finn Balor. Just because you look at the other Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes, nothing against them, but they're up and comers. They're relatively new. You know, not the biggest household names. 
So, and that's kind of been one of the surprising things with this tournament is like all the big names have been eliminated to this point. So I think in that instance, you might put in some veterans or some names you might know just so everyone doesn't immediately skip it or go to the bathroom or choose that moment to go get food, you know, and plus you add in Johnny Gargano and then Finn Balor. It's going to make any match amazing. It's going to definitely help. Uh, My pick to win is Damian Priest, though. Okay. Okay. And the one reason I'll say this is he's been featured very prominently on the NXT shows as of late. Okay. Um, definitely has been working his way up, so I wouldn't doubt they give him the belt. I know that uh, they've kind of had to juggle around who's going to be involved because Dexter Loomis in- injured his ankles. Yeah. Doing like a flip over the top rope. Right. Yep. So, yep. so they've had to really play around with it. I wouldn't doubt Finn Balor winning it either. No. Right. I, Finn would make a lot of sense with it. Just the only question I have is, is Walter going to be involved? I know that that feud has been kind of put on hold, yeah. but we are seeing Imperium show up. Yeah. Is that mean anything is possible there? I don't know, but I'm going to say for the argument's sake, I'm going to say Damian Priest wins and then sets up a feud with either Balor, and we, that's a great match, uh, rematch from yeah. the In Your House, which was atrocious. Yeah. But you could also have him against Gargano too. No, I, th- I think it's going to end up being Balor just because as awesome as it is has been to see him turn heel and kind of tease the whole Bullet Club thing, you know, with the hands and everything. It kind of feels like the storyline's spinning its tires a little bit, and it's not really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe they'll give it to him just to kind of whatever the next chapter is in that story, get it moving along. Yeah. Well, I, I think adding Balor and Gargano in there as far as like a quote-unquote veteran presence also leads me to believe that it would be like a priest, you know, that would win it because, you know, it's very easily the idea that the, you know, Gargano or Balor is the one, you know, climbing up the uh, – um, the, the ladder. ladder, Jesus, my brain. Uh, climbing up the <laughs> ladder, and you know, just here comes this monster, this six foot six, you know, priest who's able to grab one of the smaller, you know, Balor uh-huh. Garganos, yeah. able to throw him off, yeah. then climb up himself and win it. You know, that type of scenario might play out just because yeah. obviously priest is a monster. So um, I, that's what I kind of envision happening. So if it's not Balor, then yeah, I think it's priest. Yeah. All right. Uh, after that is the NXT Women's Championship match between Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh-huh. Coach? Yeah, I mean, Dakota's been there and in the mix for a while. I mean, she really, she title worthy yet. You know, Io Shirai's uh, title run has been fantastic. Uh-huh. You know, do you pull it off of her and then bring her up to the main roster? You know, SmackDown's a little light as far as the women division go right now as far as contenders. Um, you know, Monday Night Raw is a little bit different, you know, as far as having Blazer and um, Asuka and, you know, the other girl and Tamina. We're not Tamina. Oh, my God. Brain Char- again. Charlotte? No. Nia Jax. Nia Jax also in the mix. So, you know, the Raw is a little more murky as yeah. far as that mm-hmm. goes. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm going to lean Shirai, though, retaining. This is an instance where I don't want either one like I, I don't know who I want to win Io Shirai has been fantastic as a champion Dakota Kai fantastic as a heel just you know that heel turn absolutely amazing and her run as a heel absolutely amazing um I'm gonna have to lean with coach on this one though I think they might you know in, in coach's kind of line of thinking where Dakota Kai win it you know she's been around a while time to give her some shine and that brings Io Shirai up to the main roster just because she's red hot as a heel on in the women's division right now and, and especially with some of the uh, more major talent, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, not around right now, 
you need some solidity on that main roster. That's nothing against any of the other women in the main roster, but just she's a fresh face that brings in some very interesting matchups. Definitely is going to be a match of the night contender. Uh huh. I'm going to say this one could definitely steal the show completely. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I'm going to say Shirai wins. I think that they might hold off giving the belt to Dakai uh, just a little bit longer. Sure. Because I think that they eventually want to do a rematch with Rhea Ripley and also, Io Shirai. I, I think if Shirai retains, it's going to be through some shenanigans on Tegan Knox's part, uh, interfering from Dakota winning. Yeah, but see, like I, I'm kind of over that feud too. So I don't, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of different moving parts with this one. Yeah, no, but, but yeah. I like Shirai in this. Yeah, one. I, I really do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after that is the uh, matchup everyone's excited for: Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. Now I should note the article I'm reading doesn't say anything. I'm fully oh, expect I'm fully expecting this to be like some sort of street fight, no rules, no holds yeah, barred. Yeah, it has to be. And then Triple H is going to come out and like pedigree him to the moon. Sorry, I was falling asleep in that one. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see how Cole can't win this. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as you know, he's one of the biggest brand name stars that you have. Yeah. Having him job out to Pat McAfee doesn't seem yeah. smart. McAfee also hasn't had anybody else in his corner mm-hmm. that would make jobbing out make sense. You know, yeah. like at least when they have had celebrities previously face wrestlers, it's been with other wrestlers in their corner, a la Stardust versus uh, Pac and uh, Amel, you know, so that type of scenario. I like thinking even further back, what was it, uh, Randy Savage and what was it, Zeus? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no holds barred. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, Piper, you know, yeah. with uh, Mr. T, he still yeah. had Hogan yeah. and, you know, Orndorff in his corner. So it's like, you know, for him not to have a, a wrestler be in his corner unless they bring, you know, maybe if the Undisputed Era turns against Cole in this situation and aligns himself with McAfee, which I don't see happening. I'm just no. trying to play out scenarios no, right, where no, right. I could see McAfee com- coming out and winning it making sense. Because, like, if you just have McAfee straight up beat – your previous long term, you know, longest It'll be world champion. 2.0. Yeah, it would be. It would yeah. be absolute horse garbage, especially for a guy who is the brand. You yeah. know, he mm-hmm. literally is outside of Finn Balor and Gargano. Yeah, he is NXT, and I yeah. mean, I know Keith Lee is. You know, his stock is up to the moon right now, but he still not have the longevity and the volume of work that Cole. Balor and Gargano have put on on uh, Champa should be also in that list too. Absolutely. Um, that, you know, I don't think that you can put him over Cole. I'm sorry. You know, I think Cole's going to win this, but I think it's, it, it, it's, it's one of those scenarios we've seen in the past where there's no stipulation announced right now. I think it's going to be one announced maybe on the pre-show or so where it's going to be like a no, no holds barred or, or even like a street fight or something. And I just, the way as pissed off as triple H looked, then I get, you know, wrestling and what have you. But just I fully see maybe Triple H coming in and just pedigreeing him just because. I could see McAfee winning if he has a debuting wrestler with him mm-hmm. to give him the help. I was just trying to think who is a recent signee, and I can't see Timothy Thatcher coming in, even though that would be amazing. Yeah. I just don't see him coming in there because, I mean, he's already kind of having his own storyline mm-hmm. being built. Carrying Cross is in the main event, yep. so that rules that out. Yep. Unless it's somebody completely left field like Champa, Champa, which we haven't seen, we haven't seen him in a while. So I mean, that that could be like, could you imagine? But he's in retribution. But could you imagine if he came? Oh my! Well, we'll get to that a little bit. Can you imagine if he came out clean shaven? And just look completely different, That'd and like be amazing. and like McAfee was like that'd be amazing, you know. Talks talked him into going against Cole, even though they, I mean, but they've already kind of had their feud there when when Champa came back for the belt. So mm-hmm. 
I can't see that happen. I mean, the only long shot, and I, I know I'll tick off a lot of internet people with this, is CM Punk decides to come in. <laughs> that was yeah. Like, that was, yeah, which That'd I'm be just glad before. But it would have to be a big name, yeah. no, I, to, I, to move the needle. Honestly, that's why I said I don't see it with this. The one. only thing that would make sense to me is if this would be the breakup of Undisputed Era. That yeah. this is finally what, because yeah. I mean, think about it. You know, Mac, their run has been tremendous. Cole as a heel pretty much since day one of coming into NXT. Undisputed Era has been together since Cole pretty much started in NXT. So, I mean, that's going on now almost, what, two and a half, three years? Yeah, three years. As far as a a faction. You know, could Cole become the, you know, and, and not to mention the fact that, all right, outside of Keith Lee, you know, really, they don't have that overall face or second tier face mm-hmm. really right now because mm-hmm. Gargano's a heel, Bauer's a heel, um, so you know Donovan Dijak's there. But I mean, really, if Cole became that secondary face, you know, right there, he, I mean, he would, he would take over, you know, yeah. as another face. So, yeah. you know, so that's that's the only way I see this happening. If McAfee yeah. wins, it's because Undisputed Era helped him. I don't think it's from an outside person. I think it's an inside job, so Maybe. to speak. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, then you've got the NXT Cruiserweight Championship between Santos Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott. It'll be a fun match. I don't know much it, about this. It's, so. it's going to be like if I, it, just in kind of predicting where I think this one is going to take place. Uh, this like it'll probably be after like the women's championship match. It, it, it'll be like nothing against uh, Escobar or Scott, but it's going to be that kind of like all right, we just had a barn burner of a match that's absolutely nuts, and it's just kind of like all right. Time to catch your breath here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Um, Escobar has been on a tear since he won the Cruiserweight belt, mm-hmm. uh, losing the El um, Phantasm gimmick, mm-hmm. and now is just running around with his own little faction. Yeah, uh, it's been he's he's put on a lot of great work, so yeah. I'm, I'm not mad about this one. This will be entertaining. I still think he retains, mm-hmm. and then uh, we kind of go from there. Yep. I, well, I was just going to add, I know that Swerve is a big fan favorite of the Up, Up, Down, Down crew because yes. he was uh, Xavier Woods' SmackDown champion yes. when they were doing Battle of the Brands. Oh. So I'm going to lean Scott just for that fact. Okay. He's incredible, so yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, and then for the main event, as kind of alluded to, you've got the NXT Championship between Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Coach? I mean, you don't <laughs> have Keith Lee have the title and then have him lose in his first, uh, you know, title or tr- not, you know, one of his first title defenses against, you know, the up and coming heel. Um, I, it's tough because Cross is being built as a killer, so you also don't want to take the heat off of him by having him lose. So it's like you got to walk a very fine line here. And I mean, NXT is not really known for muddying up the waters mm-hmm. as far as you know. Uh, no contests or you know DQ finishes. So I mean, one guy's going over, and I'm going to lean Keith Lee. Yeah, I think Keith Lee's going to re- retain, but it's going to be very close. That that there might be something in there that it looks like they might call the match, but it keeps going. You know, obviously we're going to have near falls galore, but it's going to be a very close matchup. Lee wins. I mean, they're going to continue the feud. You'll uh, expect like uh, Scarlett to get involved at the end or yeah, something. Yeah, you'll you'll see a continuation. Of this they're not going to pull the belt off him. Uh, anytime soon. I mean, the only way that I see that happens, like let's so let's go back to the McAfee Cole thing. All right, let's see if he, you know, let's say uh, Undisputed Era does cost Cole the match, and they align themselves with McAfee. Cole now becomes the number one face. Maybe Keith Lee moves on to you know a Raw or SmackDown. I mean, you saw Riddle obviously, you know, got the quick you know. Uh, elevator up to the main roster so maybe you know they've seen enough out of Keith Lee that you know he already dropped one title you know maybe they have him lose the cross early on mm-hmm. and 
boom, you know, he's on the main roster. Yeah. Anything's possible with that. Maybe. So that's going to be Saturday night on uh, the uh, WWE Network. Yep. And on Sunday, though, is the big party of the summer, the mm-hmm. second biggest uh, wrestling event of the WWE's calendar year. Yep. SummerSlam, yep. a legendary card in the summer. This is going to be a interesting card this year, so we're going to quickly jump into this one as well. So, Pat, kick us off. Yeah, so going off the listing on CBSSports.com, uh, you've got Matt Riddle versus King Corbin. Uh, this will be a good pre-show match. Yeah. Uh, Riddle goes over. I got a better question. Does anybody care about this matchup? Um, Crickets. Yeah. No, I, I honestly don't. This is a pre-show matchup just to give the guy something to do. I don't understand why it's getting it, but, hey, I don't fault either gen- either gentleman. Any take, Coach? Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just nothing against Riddle, nothing against Corbin, but this matchup ain't, ain't doing nothing for me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just – it's there. The, the problem, yeah. The problem is, I mean, you bring Riddle up and you don't just, know what to do. Yeah, you just don't know what to do with him, and you put him on the wrong show, and he's kind of just fodder right now. And I mean, Baron Corbin, although I, yeah, you know, I know he's a great heel, yeah. and you know, he makes yeah, he yeah. he gets that heat, you know. But for me, it's more go away heat than it is like actual mm-hmm. heat. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, yeah. nothing. Uh, after that, you've got Sonya Deville versus Mandy Rose in a hair versus hair match. Now, obviously, with everything going on, and we are keeping a lot of great thoughts for uh, Sonya Deville right now after yes. the horrific uh, story that was going on with her. Uh, I don't want to get into that one. I want to keep it kind of real positive on the show. Uh, this one has been building up for a while. Um, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville storyline has been one of the bright spots, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, but... I, this storyline needs to end. Yeah. Mandy has already had her her haircut. I think it's going to be Sonya, even though Sonya should be winning this one outright because Sonya has been arguably their best heel. Yeah, I mean, this is this feud's been going on since, like, ever? Yeah. I feel like it's been, it's been, it's been a minute. I feel yeah, I can't even remember, like, when it actually started or what the starting jump-off was. I mean, it has to be before Money in the Bank because I know Otis was involved. So, mm. I mean, we're going all the way. I think the Rumble, right, was pretty much the... The beginning? Somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. I mean, my God, like, that's a long time. And, you know, I, I think right now is a smart time for a payoff. Yeah. And as far as who wins, yeah, I mean, Mandy cut her hair off a little bit already, and DeVille has very long locks. So, yeah. I would assume that DeVille, and plus, I mean, come on, who really loses in these type of matchups? The heels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I mean that 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 is true, but I was just kind of I was thinking maybe Mandy would lose just because she's been built up as God's greatest creation and look at how great she is and look at how beautiful she is and it's just kind of it'd be one of those things. But no, yeah, I I, I fully see you know Sonya's the one you know Sonya losing this. Yeah, I definitely do. And like we say, I mean, uh, from everybody here at the ODPH, we're glad that the real life situation going on with Sonya is. You know, we're glad she's okay. Yeah, we're glad she's okay. I mean, everything coming out about that is just creepy, creepy and scary. And we're just glad that she is safe and everybody that was in that house is safe too. And like I said, hopefully they prosecute the hell out of that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. All right, next. Uh, the for the United States Championship, you have Apollo Cruz taking on MVP. Coach, your thoughts on this one? So, I really like MVP. I really like what they've done with him now that he's been back. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's been um, a lot of fun, you know, as far as seeing him because you never thought he was coming back. You know, the way that he left, oh, I'll never come back to WWE and all that stuff. And now he's come back. He's got a passion. He's got a fire. Uh, Apollo Cruz. It's been great to see him with a title. Yeah, absolutely. you know, it's been yeah. awesome because everybody, you know, the, from the moment when he signed, everybody was like, "This guy is going to get a world title mm-hmm. at some point." Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of just held on. You know, it was yeah. around, and yeah. then was you know, it felt like he was off the roster sure. for a while because he was gone. You yeah. know, and yeah, I, I feel like you got to give it to MVP though. I feel like you got to lean, you got to push this new faction because. Sure. You know, obviously, if you have him lose early on, then you're kind of putting the nail in the coffin of a faction that you're trying to bring up. Yeah. You know, the Hurt Business is supposed to be this serious group of men who are out to hurt people. Hurt people. Yeah. And if they don't hurt people, well, you kind of lose their uh, lose their shine. Well, in their words, business is a booming. Yeah. This one, I think Cruz winds up winning. Yeah. Uh, the stipulations are all just in his favor, but like you, you touched upon, Coach. With the new faction, the Hurt Business needs to do something big here. So I don't know if this is one that they lose, but they wind up winning the Intercontinental title down the road, or they wind up going to SmackDown for that. You know, like I said, something will happen there. Yeah, I, th- I think Cruz is going to retain. All right, next up, uh, you've got for the Raw Tag Team Championship, you've got the Street Profits taking on Andrade and Angel Garza. All right, Coach, you have any thoughts on this? No, <laughs> I mean. Nah. I yeah. mean, for me, I let me preface this by saying I love the Street Profits. Mm-hmm. I like the gimmick. I like the interaction with the fans. One of my favorite clips of them is that I think it was their Raw debut where they won the match and they're dancing with the baby in the crowd. Yeah. I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm. Now, the trilogy match with the, if you want to call them matches with Viking Raiders notwithstanding. Yeah. I like them. They have done jack all with the belts. Take them off. Nothing against them. You haven't done anything with them. Honest to God, I can't even tell you if they ever defended them. You know, give it to Andrade and Angel Garza. I think they can really run with it. Ordinarily, I'd say, yeah, I agree with you on that. But the fact that they set it up this past week that uh, Montez Ford was poisoned. No. And it was revealed via security camera, which, by the way, if anything is a bright spot on Monday Night Raw these days, it's Samoa Joe's commentary. Yeah. I mean, Joe's always Joe's, a highlight. Joe's but, money. But if you have not seen that segment, you should see when he reveals, oh, yeah, I've I seen the footage of uh, what happened. Oh, just His delivery is oh, it's impeccable. A, it, it's priceless. His, I mean, his, his ability to be able to deliver a line, and whether it's funny or serious or off the cuff, is always – Impeccable. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Joe back in the ring, but at the same token, there's a very good part of me that is a very decent amount of me that is saying, does he have to come back in the ring? Yeah, I know. Uh, but I think that obviously since they did that angle with Montez Ford, I think they retain this time. Okay. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio in a street fight. Also, see my previous answer. Yeah. Yeah. I just – here is a kid – you know, and I get the storyline. Literal kid. Yeah, and I get the storyline and stuff, but it's like, you know, the the Monday Night Messiah thing was so perfect, and it had such heat on it when it first initially came out. The Kevin Owens stuff at WrestleMania was perfect. You know, obviously, you know, Drew needed a heel right away, so, you know, you kind of, you know, you had to rush him in with Drew, mm. and, you know, you really didn't get the payoff because I really feel like this should have been the spot mm-hmm. for the two of them to go at it, 
yeah. you know, at SummerSlam. Because yeah. here's Drew, who's been the title holder, you know, now having to go up against the Monday Night Messiah, you know, in some sort of stipulated yeah. match. Yeah. And instead we're getting, you know, a guy, Rey Mysterio, who's been one foot in, one foot out mm-hmm. for the last, what, month and a half now? Yeah. You know, it's been rumored. So. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's tough for me. I mean, and Seth has to win. Yeah, you know. I mean, the thing with the thing with Seth is he's a victim of circumstances. When he debuted the Monday Night Messiah gif, it was a gif. The Monday Night Messiah gimmick, it was working because there was a crowd, because there was an a paying audience that wasn't you know being paid by WWE to be there. The, it, it was working. He had heat. People hated it, and his sh- promos were perfect. The people hated the shit out of him. But then, because of circumstances, he's now in an, in an environment where he's still the same guy. He's still cutting similar promos, but instead of being a crowd that I'll say maybe seventy five percent actually hate his guts, mm-hmm. he's now in front of a crowd that is neutral and they're just booing because hey, that's what we're supposed to do. He's the bad guy. Yeah, you know, were this in front of an actual crowd, I think this match would be awesome because you know it's a street fight. You know Ray's going to come in. Ray's going to run interference and get involved in some way, and the crowd reaction would be amazing, and the chants and the boos and the cheers and everything would make this a really great match. But that's not happening, so it's going to be a eh. Yeah, this one I definitely am not excited about. Uh, Dominic, I will say, has definitely earned some respect with me for the kendo shots that he took. Oh, well, I mean, sugar cookies. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. Deny that. Yeah. Like, that was tremendous. Oh, yeah. And I know this week they had Ray come out, and I know they got, got their uh, heat back. and was. I, I it, saw the photo of that. Is it just me, or did he look a little bit like Spider-Man? He did. Okay. Yeah, he definitely had uh, something going on with his mask. Uh, this one has to be Seth Rollins for the win. I'm just yeah. not sure how, but it, it's all playing that favor. And, yeah. and Rollins definitely needs some, because obviously with the injury that happened to the Authors of Pain, that definitely hurt the gimmick. Mm-hmm. And with whatever is going on with Austin Theory, yep. uh, when they separated him, I mean, who knows? So this, like I say, it has to be Seth for the win. Yeah. But to interject, Pad, because the Raw and Women's uh, Championships, both respectively, yeah. are getting defended against Asuka. Uh, I was going to uh, loop them in together. Okay. Yeah, so the SmackDown Women's Championship and the Raw Women's Championship, respectively, are between Bailey and Asuka, and then Sasha Banks and Asuka. Uh, if I were a betting man, Asuka's got to be coming out with at least one of these. Coach? I, yeah, I mean, you can't have them ask a leave with both. And plus, isn't the story eventually going to be, you know, Bailey and uh, Sasha, you know, one on one, you mean, know, probably down the road at Mania? I mean, in theory, but we've also been saying that for like 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think in this instance, the most, the thing that makes the most sense is you, you know, have one or the other cost the other one the title. So whether it's, uh, you know, Bailey costing. Bailey's you know, fighting first. So. Yeah, yeah, Bailey or whatever. Um, one of them loses it. Oscar retains that one. Then they move on to their own feud down the road. And I mean, mm-hmm. whether it's at, um, you know, WrestleMania, whether they can extend it that far or they end up having to do it down the road at whatever next pay per view they have, which would probably be, you know, Night of Champions or something like that, that would be my guess. They're both without the belts on SmackDown, are they not? Uh, uh, Sasha and Bailey, correct? No, Bailey's the champion. Plus, they also have the women's tag titles. Right, but no, without without the belts, they're both on uh, SmackDown, correct? Yes. Okay, so just in that thinking, if they want, because if if um, if if yeah, I think if Oscar beats Bailey, that might kind of complicate things a little bit because they might be separate shows, and then it gets all murky and, and all that nonsense. I think Oscar will beat Sasha 
Because that's okay. So then you Bailey not on Raw as much anymore. They just got the tag belts and what have you, and you can kind of focus on that. Because I think if you if if Oscar uh, beats Bailey, you might be pushing this back until what the uh, what the heck's the one where they they oh, go Survivor Series. Thank you, Survivor Series. You might be pushing it back to Survivor Series. Who know, like honestly, I, I think Oscar's going to win both belts and unify them. <laughs> that'd, be, uh, that'd be awesome. You just have one women's champion for both shows. I don't know because I just. I really I, I so when, I, when they did the initial brand split I had, I don't can't remember who I was talking to but my pitch was it makes the most sense to have unified champions and then have the secondary titles be on each show so sure, like sure. the US title and the intercontinental title be the titles of Raw and SmackDown yeah. and then have one universal champion have one women's champion have one tag team champion sure. And then that way, you know, the, those champions interchange. You keep feuds fresh and all that stuff. So I, what you're saying makes a ton of sense, and I love it because I love the idea of that happening. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, I just don't think that the, the, the story's building towards these two. Yeah. yeah. That I don't think that – I mean, I guess if you do do the, ran, the unification, then maybe, you know, down the road you have Bailey or Sasha win it back, and then you can, you know – well, here you go. Have Oscar win them. She goes on to do something else. Bailey and Sasha feuding, or Bailey and Sasha still together. Uh, Bailey wins it at Survivor Series Royal Rumble. Sasha wins. Bam. What does she do? I could fully. What see does that. she do? I could fully see that happen. Yeah. So, and with the with the limitations that are already on the roster as is, it just makes sense mm-hmm. to yeah. to do that to li- yeah to yeah. limit the number of champions because yeah. there's enough secondary guys that you can you know still have enough people contending for those titles mm-hmm. right. Uh, after that, you've got the Universal Championship matchup between Braun Strowman and the Fiend Bray Wyatt. I don't even care about this match. Neither do I. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Braun's uh, whole uh, title reign has been a snooze fest, mm-hmm. and which the, is a shame. Yeah, and the whole thing with Bray is, I think they're just buying time until Roman says he's coming back. Yeah, so that's my take on it. You know, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Everything with this just feels like we're holding place until Roman decides he could, wants to come back. Same. I mean, this is just more holding over. I mean, the only the only saving grace, I guess, you could say, is at least to this point, I have not heard anything about this matchup being a cinematic matchup. So, yeah. I mean, it will be interesting to maybe see if Alexa plays a role in this match in yeah, some sort of way yeah so weird which it yeah it totally well, is what's, but what's even weirder with that is she wiped her instagram today oh she i i just happened to notice it i popped open instagram while i was you know having some downtime today and two of her photos showed up and i and i didn't recognize the username because for the longest time it's been the same her username's been the same thing yeah but now it, it, i noticed it was a different username so i'm like wait a minute did i accidentally follow like a fake alexa bliss account and then i saw who with my mutual followers were following her i'm like no this is her but she's wiped her instagram oddly enough so i mean a lot what alexa is going to do in this matchup is kind of like the only thing i'm interested in because she, you know she had the interaction with the fiend you know, he tur- quote unquote turned her heel because he put the hurt glove. He used the hurt glove in the mandible claw, and then she had that backstage interview with Michael Cole where she kind of, you know, was on the fence. Where yeah. she's kind of saying one thing but kind of meaning another. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, so a little bit. But now we get to the main event. Yep, for the WWE Championship, you have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. So I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times that you know this title run has been. Really, really unfortunate timing for Drew because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Drew deserved it. Yeah. He was hot after yeah. the Royal Rumble, yeah. the eliminations, the whole nine yeah. were tremendous. You know, his moment at Tampa at Buccaneer Stadium, uh, yeah. Raymond K, would have been fantastic. But yeah. 
COVID hit and we are, you know, where we are right now. So yeah. Randy Orton's been great. This heel run's been fantastic. You can tell that he's got, you know, the spark back, which, again, mm -hmm. we've also said time and time again, mm -hmm. inspired Randy Orton is a great Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. So I definitely can see him, um, you know, taking the title, unfortunately, you know, here in this instant. Um, and maybe, I mean, I know Edge isn't necessarily clear yet, but, you know, obviously it's tough to wrap up the show with a heel losing you know mm -hmm. that's not the way mm -hmm. that wwe especially likes to book yeah. the bigger pay-per-views yeah um so maybe if uh edge can come out in some sort of way maybe save drew from getting uh punted or you know because i mean writing drew off right now i don't think would hurt yeah no you know because you write drew off you have randy orton win you can set randy orton up against edge which is the rumor that they're trying to do anyway you have that match go down at either Royal Rumble or um, Survivor Series, whatever you see fit, and then you have Drew come back right around those time that time, probably more Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. Have him win the Rumble again, yeah, and have him go on to have his WrestleMania moment, like you know, like is being talked about because at the end of the day, he deserves it. Yeah. The, only, the only issue with that is how soon Edge comes back from his injury. Yeah, that's true. That's the only thing with that. Right. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. I know. This is, I mean, I'm 100% hypothetical yeah, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know where he is as far as his rehab and being cleared. Right. Yeah, I haven't I'm, heard anything either. If, if there's a way that you can get him at this show mm -hmm. and have him be in some sort of working capacity and it doesn't need to be much, whether it's just a bullshit, you know, chair over the rope to scare Randy away mm -hmm. after he's already done the damage um, or if it's to scare him off completely, just something. You know, that mm -hmm. he's there and he's present. You've set that feud up. Now you've got that spark. Now Monday, you know, Edge can come out, cut that scathing promo about how, you know, you, you hurt me, but I'm back, blah, blah, blah. And then you build that feud and let that run off. Drew takes a step back, recharges the batteries. Obviously, you know, you have to imagine that, you know, this is weighed on him as far as his mm -hmm. championship run, considering the fact that it wasn't ideal, you know, for what he probably wanted in. You go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to take anything away from Drew, my one complaint about Drew prior to everything getting shut down was his countdown to the Claymore kick was the dumbest thing in the it's world. It's brutal. Yeah. It, it was the dumb, but that was my only complaint. I had no other issues with the guy. But his title run has been kind of, a, I don't want to say abysmal, but it's been kind of a letdown. But that's not through any fault of his own. No. I've... It's like with a lot of other things I've said with WWE. His, you know, championship runs work when there are fans that aren't your own employees in the crowd chanting and cheering things had his run been in a normal scenario in front of a live audience in various arenas and and what have you it'd be a great championship run i'm sure yeah it probably would have been one of the most beloved that we've had in yeah. the last probably five years yeah but because of the circumstances and what they are the championship run hasn't been anything stellar i, I can't even tell you any memorable moments you know i think in, in uncertain times, you kind of want to turn back to those you rely on and trust most. And who is more reliable or trustworthy when he's motivated in that roster? I'll say between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, or 205 Live than Randy. Yeah, he's a trusted hand. He's been there enough. You know he'll do what they he'll do what you ask him to. And it's, a, and it's a safe hand, and you know that's one that, hey, people will turn in for Randy. Absolutely. Randy walks away with this one. Nothing against Drew. I just think, unfortunately, due to no crowds, his title reign has definitely been hurt. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I think they'll definitely hit the reset for him once we get live crowds again. So yeah. 
I think for right now, give the belt to Randy, build something with Edge if you want to do it, just have him run crazy through Monday Night Raw and call it a day. Well, and that's the other reason I think you mentioned I think they're going to give Randy the belt is just because Drew needs a live crowd. Yeah. Randy don't need a live crowd. Yeah. No. You know, Randy's runs, be it championship or non-championship, don't require a crowd. Yeah, they're an added bonus, and yeah, they help, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you don't need them. Well, and I think, again, that just goes, like, you know, the fans were what kind of took off Drew, you know, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they set him up, you know, sure, but the fans really took to him and yeah. really kind of, yeah, uh, you know, you don't see my hands right now while I'm talking to the guys, but it really lifted him up to that status. Yeah. And then, you know, once the crowd dissipated and, you know, they weren't allowed, you know, that run kind of flattened out and now you're just at this kind of stalemate where it's like, yeah, everybody's still behind him, but you don't get that same feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and that passion. So mm-hmm. it's like... You know, why not let him go? You know, and not let him go. I'm just saying, like, let him go home. Let him recharge. Let him shut it down. I, you have to imagine the fact that, you know, this is weighing on him. The, the, the ratings, the talk, all this stuff, because that's what happens with champions. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with Shawn Michaels. Same thing happened with Bret Hart. Like, happens this shit weighs on you, you yeah. know? So let him go home. Let him recharge. Let him get a step away. You know, I mean, it didn't help that he didn't have Brock around yeah. to, you know, help have that, because that obviously would have been the rematch right now at SummerSlam. would have mm-hmm. been him and Brock. Oh, sure. Um, so it doesn't help not having him around to kind of feed back and forth off of. So let let that build, let that simmer, you know, let it be on the back burner. Let Randy carry it because at the end of the day, Randy doesn't give a shit. Yeah. You know, whether you're watching or not, he doesn't care. That's right. the biggest thing that Randy has. The, the chip on his shoulder is there, mm-hmm. but it is not your chip. Mm-hmm. It is his chip, which he does not give a shit about you. So uh, let Randy carry it. Let him carry the company, which I'm sure he's probably fine doing. Yeah. And go from there. I'll say the only thing work might be working against Randy's. I think he might be running out of legends to punt in, into next week. Yeah. Well, well they can continue. They can that always going. get more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'll find a way to do it. Either way, the WWE has a huge weekend of pro wrestling going on, so you definitely want to tune into the WWE Network this Saturday and Sunday. And if you can't wait till then, head on over to twitch.tv slash 607podcast each and every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the wrestling show 3FNW, where Rich and myself uh, will be breaking down everything, a little more deep diving into the world of professional wrestling. But definitely hit us up on the hashtag ODPH. What is your takes about this weekend's big wrestling cards? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So, if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a true fan and lover of this industry, then tune into the Cheers to Comics podcast three times a week as I, Brian Wayne, raise a glass to this wonderful, wonderful industry that is comics. Cheers. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have some local minute to discuss. Mm -hmm. Now, it was announced uh, a few days ago since our last recording that the American Basketball Association has announced that 
Uh, they are postponing the start of the season from October 31st, 2020 to January 2nd, 2021. Okay. So that means our beloved Binghamton Bulldogs are going to be waiting to kick off the season. Yeah, Syracuse is just scared. Uh, Syracuse jumped the vision, so uh, they, that's yep. how scared they are. Yep. Uh, so it'll be definitely something to keep your eyes on. Uh, definitely hit up the Binghamton Bulldogs Facebook page for more information on that. And this weekend, there is a huge, huge event going down. Shout out to our good friends over at Excite Wrestling. Johnny Moose and Co. are getting ready for Drive Up Wrestling. We've talked about it a little bit. We've been trying to get John on the show, but unfortunately, schedules have not linked up as we had hoped. Uh, but, you know, we're going to be down there in full effect. It's going to be a great time. Super excited to see what the team has to do. So the show is going to be kicking off. 2.30, the doors are open. Or I want to say doors, but it's the parking lot. Yeah. Show starts at 4 o'clock. More information on this. I mean, it's going to be rain or shine. So definitely, if you've paid for a ticket and you have because it's sold out, they are going to be going uh, rain or shine in the mall parking lot. Is going to be something to check out. ExciteWrestling.com for more information and where you can watch it online. So... That's all we got to say about that. So, Pat, why don't we start rounding these bases and take it home? Yeah, I got to talk some baseball uh, because there was a little bit of a brouhaha and a little bit of an unwritten uh, rule in baseball broken last night, I guess. Uh, the Texas Rangers were taking on the San Diego Padres when in the top of the seventh inning when the, with the Padres leading 7-3, to three, uh, bases loaded. Fernando Tatis got up and, pro- and on a 3-0 count promptly unloaded the baseball into the seats hitting a grand slam, uh, thereby putting the San Diego Padres uh, up 11-3. to uh, The Texas Rangers took exception to that and threw behind the next batter, which was Manny, Mach- Manny Machado, uh, because I guess it's an unwritten rule in baseball that if you're up, if you're up by a, a bunch of runs and it's a 3-0 count, don't swing, so, uh, which I say, okay, I understand your frustration, but pitch better, yeah. and then you don't got to worry about that. Uh, should be noted, was re- reading an article on ESPN.com today. Uh, t- yes, Tati swung, but that's because he missed the sign telling him for telling him to take the pitch. <laughs> so uh, he missed the signing, you know. But saying, you know, if you want a good example or a good take on this, uh, Johnny Bench. Uh, took to Twitter and basically said, you know, three zero count if you take becomes a three one count. Then it turns. Then you got a setup pitch, which is three two, and now you're protecting and trying to prevent getting into a uh, a ground ball situation. He goes more play. Johnny Bench said more players should swing on three zero plus. You know, grand slams look great in the stats. Very true stat. Yeah. Very very true. Mm-hmm. So for my round in the base, I know the Rangers are not in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We got the number one draft pick. This is true. That's all we need to worry about. But I still will give you a very quick Stanley Cup playoff recap right now because there has been some great hockey going on. Okay. Vegas is up 3-1 over the Blackhawks right now, so it looks like they're going to advance in their playoff series in the okay. West. Colorado is doing the same to Arizona. Colorado is my pick to get there from the Western Conference. Okay. Dallas and Calgary and Vancouver and St. Louis are tied 2-2 each oh. as they are progressing in that round. So I still like uh, Colorado in that. They're playing some okay. phenomenal hockey. Boston is up 3-1 on Carolina on the Eastern Conference. So, uh you know, I, I have no real so love loss for either team so didn't right now. Boston just lose their goalie too. He just like left. Yeah, Tukarask, I believe, took off um, for Corona reasons. Oh, uh, for family reasons. But okay. I, I want to say it was something involving the virus. Gotcha. If I am wrong, I apologize. But it was it was something um, along those lines. Well, so they even hit my radar because I got the notification that like he's up for some goalie award this year, and he just left. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no, I, I believe it was uh, coronavirus concerns. Uh, so I mean, but obviously that's the right call to make. It, yeah, it's very. 
the timing i know a lot of people are are, are really hammering about but sure. listen sure if we don't know the full details sure. that's what i i believe i read yeah. so you know if that is the case i completely understand you got to do what you got to do mm-hmm. in this time and frame so yeah. i'm not i'm not complaining yeah. one bit or you know criticizing uh, flipping all, all to uh, the Rangers, or I want to say the Rangers because I saw New York, but you know what? It's the Islanders, and they're up 3 nothing on the Capitals. Good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Don't like the Islanders. I like the Capitals even less. Yeah, I know. It's like the lesser of three evils. <laughs> but you know what? That's why I I took Tampa Bay because it's the Rangers south. Pretty much. three. Uh, they're up 3-1 on Columbus. They're going to obviously take that one. And then Philly is up 2-1 on, on Montreal as we're recording. Mm, come on, Montreal. Yeah, I know. You know, how, you know my love for Philly. Yeah, so, I mean, they're playing right now, though. So a lot of great hockey going on, so definitely check out the NHL playoffs as they're, as they're happening in your area. Yeah. So, Coach... Coach? Uh, oh, geez. I think I just heard a door slam. Uh, oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm reading, getting a text. Uh, coach says, got a uh, text message from Leon Rose. Uh, need to consult with him about the Knicks' upcoming draft. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. That, yeah. is, that, is a, that is a complete coach move. Yeah, so uh, Coach looks like had to leave because he has to go work with the New York Knicks about their upcoming draft with President Leon Rose. Uh, so I will mention for him, uh, the NBA draft lottery is taking place this Thursday at 8.30 p.m. on ESPN. Well, I should say 8.30 p.m.-ish. Uh, it's taking place after the Bucks magic game. Uh, it should be noted that this is the second lottery since the NBA f- flattened the odds, uh, which introduced a little more uncertainty for the draft order. Uh, and so looking ahead at this year's uh, t- uh, top six picks or top six teams who could get the draft top draft pick, uh, you've got number one the, with the worst record in the NBA. And God, this is still weird to say. The Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Uh, who have, uh, according to this article on ESPN.com, uh, their expected average pick is 3.7. So how you figure that out, I don't know. Uh, but they do have a 14% chance to get the number one pick uh, to a 40 Point one percent chance in to be in the top three and a hundred percent chance to be in the top five. Uh, at number two, you've got the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, who have the same two numbers for number one and top three percentages, but top five uh, they drop to a seventy nine point nine percent. Uh, number three, you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves, which again, uh, number one and top three percentages stay the same, but top five uh, percentage drops down to 66.9%. Uh, fourth, you have the Atlanta Hawks, which uh, number one percent, they have a 12.5% chance to get the number one pick, a 36.6% chance to get the top uh, pick in the top three, uh, and then to be in the top five, they have a 55.3% chance. Uh, and then at number five, you've got the Detroit Pistons, who have a 10.5% chance to get number one, uh, 31.6% chance to be in the top three, uh, and then 44.3% chance to be in the top five. And then your beloved New York Knicks uh, at number six have a nine point, uh, excuse me, 9% chance to get number one, uh, 27.6% chance to get in the top three, and then a 37.2% chance to get in the top five. Well... The NBA draft lottery is always a weird mm-hmm. thing to watch. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping the Knicks do well. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath. We had our chance at Zion, and then it fell through our hands last year. Yeah. So as long as they don't do anything too crazy, 
yeah. with the pick, I'll be yeah. okay. But I will admit this. I'm giving Leon Rose and everybody over there the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, They've like, been doing some big moves. Again, yeah, Thibodeau there is yeah. a huge one. And who knows? Maybe he brings some some good karma. Uh, the NBA draft Twitter, official Twitter account did put out a list of uh, on-camera reps that will be present for the NBA draft lottery. And you've got some you know usual suspects, you know owners, uh, vice presidents, and general managers, and chairmen, and what have you. But you got a couple of players. Uh, you know, you've got Steph Curry, notably going to be on camera for the Golden State Warriors. D'Angelo Russell will be there for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But present there for your New York Knickerbockers uh, is Leon Rose. So who knows? Maybe he brings some good karma. Maybe. I'm all right with it. we got to do something. Now is the time. Mm-hmm. Giannis will be here soon enough. <laughs> Don't tell me otherwise, Pat. Don't. I need this. He lost today. So you know what? I need this. Yeah, he lost while putting up like 30-something points and 17 rebounds. See if he was in the garden, it would never happen. No, but Deja it, vu to Zion and KD. I, well, you know what? In, in hindsight, I'm glad I was wrong about KD and, mm. and Kyrie. I'm, I'm going to say that I'll right give you, now. I'll give you that. Hey, the, the, the drama with those guys we don't need. I'd rather watch the drama on the court. Mm. And I will say this. This weekend before the NBA Finals were solidified, the amazing game with Portland and Memphis. Yeah. Shout out to the East Coast Avengers. I'm sorry, you guys. The Memphis didn't pull it off. I thought they were. But Dame Lillard is Oy. playing like a man possessed. They are going to give the Lakers a little problem in the first round. Absolutely. The game kicks off tonight as we are recording. I'm going to be definitely watching that. I'm going to see if I can live tweet, but then again, it's West Coast time, and i got early work on the East, so we'll have to see how that all works out in the math. I'll say, listen, the best part of the uh, NBA uh, playoffs has got to be Jimmy Butler's coffee business. Oh, my God. If you're not familiar with that, Google that one. Jimmy, Just Google Jimmy Butler coffee. Yeah. It's it's the funniest thing in the world. It's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. But the matchups are all set. So the Lakers have Portland the first round. Houston mm-hmm. and Oklahoma City are playing, um, which yep. I'm expecting a lot of storylines coming out of that one. Yeah. Denver is up one nothing over Utah in their series. The mm-hmm. Clippers took it to Dallas and a little controversy with Porzingis getting kicked out. But you know what? I'm, yeah. I'm riding with the Clippers on this one. Milwaukee took the big L. Yeah. Opening game against Orlando of all teams. 122 to 110. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, and then Wild. and then while we were recording, Miami beat Indiana one thirteen to one hundred one. I got to check out the highlights of that because I did get a notification. Apparently, Jimmy Butler hit a couple of clutch dagger threes at the end of the game. Jimmy Butler is amazing. Uh-huh. I, I so wish we could get him in New York with Thibodeau again, but it's not in the cards just yet. Maybe maybe a big trade we can make happen. Boston's up one nothing on Philly, and Toronto is up one nothing on those uh, formerly uh, known as New Jersey Nets. Boston is up, uh, but they are going to be out Gordon Hayward for four weeks with an ankle sprain. Oh, man, he can't catch a break. No, he cannot. No, so definitely something we keep watching, uh, how the NBA has been doing the bubble. has been amazing. Yeah. Basketball games have been fun, and I really am excited to see this Lakers-Portland series. Yeah. Can the... Portland Trailblazers pull off the upset of the century. We'll say possibly one last matchup between Melo and LeBron. It's going to be fun. Possibly. Ba- it's going to be fun basketball to watch, so definitely check your local listings wherever you are to catch the latest in the NBA Finals. That all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the OEPH Podcast is that of Fair City Fire. Now, Pat, have you been following Instagram lately? Yes. Have you been seeing what Brian Wolf has been doing every single Friday? I have. What has he been doing? Posting new music. Yes, he's been doing covers. He actually has a Patreon out now. So if you want more information about what he's up to, the rest of the guys of Fair City Fire, and such other great bands as Shout at the Robots, Floodland, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, the list goes on and on and on and on. Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Check out the music section. While you're there, stop on over to the ODPH directory. We can check out friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming 
who Pat is still taking a moment of silence. He has not accepted his apology for what he said about Ratchet and Clank. You can also check out Excite Wrestling and Johnny Moose and what he has going on there. Pat, you'll talk about Johnny Moose, right? Yeah. You excited for this weekend? Absolutely. So, it's going to be a wild experience. Yeah, it's going to be definitely something to check out. So if you want to find out more information about that, you stop over there, you check it out. You can also find organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. You can find organizational links supporting voter registration. You can also check out all the amazing podcast groups that we are in via their Podchaser pages. So shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to the Apocalypse, And shout out to hashtag 607 Podcast. Rich Ron and Big Natty Cool and Mike C, everybody over there at 8122 Productions. A lot of big things going on, Pat, by the mm-hmm. way. At Big Natty Cool, still on Twitter. Oh, Lord. They haven't stopped him yet. He got a little crazy Saturday night. Yeah. If you want to find out everything going on in the land of diesel, you head on over to patreon.com slash 8122 Productions. A lot of big things going on, a lot of major announcements going on. And you also want to swing over to the Twitch link, which is right on the ODPH homepage. I want to say it's right below the Facebook page right now. You can find out everything that you want to find out about twitch.tv slash 607 podcast and so much more at ochoduroparleyhour.com. <gasps> That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Pat and 1J. Just want to point out, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has apologized more for hitting a grand slam than the Astros have for cheating their way to a World Series. Get him, Pat. Uh-huh. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.